What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. Welcome back to the Star Wars Movie Marathon. In 1983, George Lucas released his conclusion to Star Wars, the original trilogy, and for 16 years, there wasn't really a lot of big Star Wars hype. There was a few novels that were released. Obviously, there was two peak Ewok films that released close after the original trilogy, but the dark times were had by Star Wars fans. There was nothing that truly got people, the masses, well and truly hyped, but in 1994, there was some small little inklings that George Lucas had stepped into Skywalker Ranch to pen the screenplays and story Mm. for the prequel Star Wars trilogy. And this got people excited. And five years later, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, was released in theaters. To say that this movie was hyped is... It would do it a disservice because Mm -hmm. this movie... And it's debated, but this is one of, if not the most anticipated movie, maybe of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely up for debate, but the marketing, everything that went into this, I mean, the original trilogy did a lot for Star Wars mm. and pop culture. I mean, this was at the top of everyone's minds. And in the early to late 90s, the buildup for this movie in particular, as well as these the series of movies, was it was at an all-time high. People were going to earlier movies in 1999 just to see the trailer Mm -hmm. because they were so hyped for this movie. People wanted to dig in to The Phantom Menace. But 20 years, 25 years later, I should say, this movie has gone... (laughs) The journey of The Phantom Menace is very interesting to look at because upon release, it it was very critically marred. There was a few people who liked it, but I mean, this was this was panned critically. But 25 years later, there was a, a prequel. The prequels have had kind of a renaissance. People have looked on them with a, a new appreciation. But we're here to talk about it. And like people were back in the day, in 1999, excited to dive into this movie. I know a few other guys who are also excited to dive in to The Phantom Menace. First and foremost, Mr. Ethan Westloff. Ethan, how are you? Doing good. Uh, all three of us this past week have gotten sick in a number of ways, so we have been <laughs> anticipating this podcast just like people were anticipating the release of this. But just want to take a moment, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Ignite your lightsaber slash that like button. We'd really appreciate that. But yes, I am excited for The Phantom Menace. We're going to dive into all the, the nitty-gritty of this and how we feel, but j- j- just to quote George Lucas, Jar Jar is the key to all of this. Mm. And if he works, then these movies work. Did he say that? So we're going to talk did, about he that. He did say <laughs> Jar Jar's the key. He did say that. And we're, we will definitely talk about that. But yes, he did say that Jar Jar is the key to all this. I know someone who is the key to everything in uh, our lives. It's Mr. Ooh. Micah Head. Micah, how are you? I am doing pretty well. You know, Ben, you got me thinking, um, what else came out around that time that was that was sci-fi you know where people getting hyped for star wars for a certain reason and and i wonder if matrix Mm. having its release just two months prior 
really hyped up everyone for <laughs> all right let's let's jump i mean if we could be hyped for the matrix this this out of nowhere franchise then we could be hyped for star wars right and then w- once it came out everyone's like wow now there are two of them. <laughs> now, now, ah, the prequel quotes have started. Now there are two of them. Uh, I, so even the Matrix, have you guys seen the Matrix? Yeah, I have. I did not know that I'd it like came to rewatch it though. Two months before The Phantom Menace. I yes. don't think that would have it, it didn't. It did because this what this did. I mean, dude, I've talked to But you know what? I, I think people. it may have set the tone for the involvement from the audience going into this because what other movies do you think of where people dressed up going to it? You think of, all right, people dressed up for Harry Potter, right? People dressed up for Star Wars and people dressed up for Matrix, man. They showed up. Did they really? The, oh, yeah. Huh. I remember seeing lots of videos of, of people, you know, walking down with their big old camcorders and they're like, all right, what are you here to watch? And it's this nerd with their big old trench coat. <laughs> they got their their shades and they're, I'm here to see the Matrix. And he's like this sweaty dude. Huh. Yeah, I mean that's that's so, just what I think. So that had some hype to it as well. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean this one. It's, I mean you talk about dressing up, watching videos of people dressing up. There's there's a, a video I remember seeing of a, a whole theater. Someone walked in, they panned to the audience, and almost like half the audience is in Jedi robes. Everyone's got lightsabers. Theaters were giving away cheap plastic ones yep. for fans of the opening night premieres. I mean, this, I'm, oh man, it's an understatement. Like I, I said, I saw a video of a guy, he got his ticket and he fell on the ground <laughs> and started crying like, like the movie theater was his altar. It, it was ups- insane. Yeah. I've got a, uh, so I, I don't know if we want to get into this now, but I interviewed my uncle for this. Really? Yeah. I, I was like, all right, well, who in my family would have fond memories of Phantom Menace or, and, and all the prequel trilogy? So I was like, all right, well, my uncle. He, he was around that age, so I, I interviewed him, and he he was ten when this came out. Okay. So it's like imagine R- ripe age. Imagine mm-hmm. watching a movie like this when you're ten in theaters when it's coming out, and he very vividly remembers all these people dressing up, everyone wearing their their Jedi garbs and their they have their lightsabers, and he remembers them cheering and booing as things happened and <laughs> and um and you know when lightsabers were flinging on stage oh, uh, on the screen everyone was getting up and and <laughs> having their lightsaber battles up and down the the stairs and in front and, and so- sounds obnoxious yeah like it does. that you think no way home was obnoxious no 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 <laughs> this was and, and yeah he remembers he was one of the people that was dragged to the theater to watch the trailer for that really? random movie, yeah, that's so that cool. came out like there was it, a few of them, just, yeah, yeah, some random movies that were like everyone knew that oh yeah, the, the Phantom Menace trailer was gonna play before this movie, and they played it, and everyone was freaking out, and people left after the trailer because that's all they they came to see. Yep. And my uncle remembers Darth Maul being revealed, but only one side of the lightsaber was 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 pulled out for it. No, it was two. Was it, it two? W- it was two. Oh, okay, he remembers only one, but. Well, I mean, the the reveal, it was because of that trailer and specifically the double sabers from yeah. Maul that got people so excited. I mean, it's another I heard Star the Wars Comic-Con movie, but- one had the double blade, but the as far as I remember it, the theatrical one only had one side. So it was a Comic-Con exclusive is what I heard. I think you're wrong. Yeah, I, probably. Yeah. I, 
I, Although, I have always heard that it was double sabers, but obviously yeah. I wasn't there. For None it. of us were so alive that for that. So yeah, I don't know. We don't know. The legend. The, the legend, legend that yes. we will never. Yeah, and we're not going to Google for. it because that would be too easy. Yeah. It would be. We'd yeah. rather have the. Uh, if the... you know the answer, though, <laughs> type it down in the comments below. I'm almost certain, though, that it's doubles in the trailer. That's like, that was one of the main selling points. They were like, did you see that that guy in the trailer? He had lightsabers coming out of both sides. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the and, stick. Oh, and my when gosh. it happened. In the movie, oh man, everyone went oh, ballistic. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. So fun to interview my uncle. You guys should definitely. It's like listening to to an old grandpa talk about his war stories, man. So, like there, <laughs> <laughs> like did, people have their Star Wars stories. Did he? Did he like it though? He, when he loves saw it, Phantom he Menace. Really? He, uh, out of the uh, out of the prequel trilogy, he holds the prequel trilogy the highest in his opinion because those are wow. the ones he grew up with. I mean, those are the ones he saw in theaters first. And he thinks that three is the best, followed closely by one. Okay. All right. Well, I want to know. And what that's you what guys I am interested yeah, to see. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be really interesting. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's hit the hyperdrive and head over to the Star Wars galaxy. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? His fate is uncertain, he's not dangerous. The Council will decide Anakin's future. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to the outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While the Congress of Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the Guardians of Peace and Justice, in the galaxy to settle the conflict. That is your opening crawl for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Like I said up front, guys, this we are 25 years removed from this movie. This, this movie is actually coming back to theaters in uh, in I'm May. Pumped. I am. Pumped. I cannot wait to see this movie. I thought about you know just kind of watching some recap. Obviously, I'm not going to do that for this review. I always sit down and watch all the movies, but I was like, man. We got this now, and then in a couple months, we're going to go to theaters to see The Phantom Menace for the first time. I've never seen it in theaters, um, but we talked about a bunch of people who did. I have certainly – there's a guy at Menards who where, where I used to work, and he was like, this th This was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, he he also liked The Phantom mm. Menace. but How old was he when it came out? He was 20 I, – I, mid-20s, I think he is what he said. Because he, he grew up with um, the – the originals. Yeah. So my, remember that social studies teacher I was talking about in, uh, in, in middle school, he was one of the episode one dismissers. He was like, didn't trash. like it. Yeah. Nope. I went out of the theater and we, we, I looked at all my friends and we we're like, nah, you that wasn't it. good. Yeah. Huh. And that's so weird to well, me because how could you throw away this entire movie? Well, to say that it is, I mean, it's a mixed bag Yeah. to say that yeah, it's a mixed sure, bag but, is like, but when it was released, you have to attribute some of this to the movie being overhyped. Mm -hmm. It just is, and it's a Star Wars. It's a Star Wars movie that hasn't there hasn't been one in sixteen years, and now it's out. And Twentieth Century Fox and Lucasfilm did an insane job with the marketing for this. I mean, it was everywhere. And it's one of those things where because we felt this when the Force Awakens came out, and especially when the Last Jedi came out, you had never left a Star Wars movie and been like, "Man, Star Wars stinks." But the, the, 
because you had your your three original trilogy movies, and then you had this. Star Wars has always been good. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, it's a different kind of good, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then you take it home and you think about it more, and you're like, oh, I don't. I think maybe I didn't like that. But mm-hmm. because the ceiling is so high, it's like, all it right, is. when when Dark Knight Rises comes out, or any movie that any movie that can't, comes out in the MCU after Endgame. You're not going to hit that ceiling. And I feel the same way with the prequel trilogy is how, how are you going to meet what the original trilogy was? It's just going to be so different. And that's why I don't I, I don't envy the experience of someone who grew up with the original trilogy and then got hyped because I can see myself if this came out today. And this was another Star Wars movie that came out today. This is definitely a watch this as you grow up, watch all the cool scenes, and then once you have your appreciation for it, then you see the 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 broad strokes mm. and the genius of the writing. And uh, uh, I will defend. No, that. you won't. But and too. here's the thing. I would too. And We're not going to do that. No. And here's the thing because it is still mixed. There are still people who do not like this film, who say that this is still a bad Star Wars movie. I do not fall into that camp. But I want to know, because so many people have said so much on this film. The, the Plinkett reviews are, the Red Letter Media reviews, they have to be mentioned here because they've done a great job. I mean, and a lot of people have said a lot of what they have to say that any topic that we bring up has already been talked about. So what I want to know is what you guys think, though. Because, I mean, we reviewed 57 Marvel movies. We reviewed the first original trilogy but the this is a this is a star wars film but it's not a universally loved star wars film we haven't got there yet so i'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say and what stances we will be taking on this film and i want to start with mr wensloff 25 years removed you just saw this movie so th- this is one of the movies I did not grow up watching. Really? I my relationship with this was exclusively through Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga. I'd played through all the prequel trilogy, and I I never really fell in love with these. And that's because my dad never showed me these. And I was talking to my dad this week, like why why didn't we watch these? And my dad said that he didn't even watch them in theaters because at that time he had just uh, within that time span he had just married my mom and i guess he was still a closeted star wars oh, nerd oh he, he didn't go to the theaters to see the prequel trilogy so that love the love for the prequels wasn't thrown out of me because i'm sure yeah there are a lot of really cool elements that even when i did see this i think i was around 10 so i still was super young when i saw this so a lot of the childhood elements still you know, sink into me. The pod race is great. The duel, of the fates is great. There are some really fun elements in it, but when I watch it now, it's so hard to watch with that, those fresh eyes where, okay, mm. how am I going to attack this from, from a star Wars perspective? And I have never hated this movie, but I've also never loved this movie. And I think that that reigns true on this rewatch. I don't hate this movie. I don't love this movie. I think there was just enough in this movie where, when I left it, I was like, okay, I'm glad I watched that. So uh, to me, it's very mixed. There are a lot of mixed elements, and I think it aged pretty bad. But I think, and with all these prequel movies, we're going to talk about the animation. We're going to talk about the Clone Wars. I think what cl- the Clone Wars added to this world that is the prequels is huge. 
and you can't under, a doubt. you can't understate it. So I I don't know. There's going to be a lot of different elements falling into this. But how do I like this? I think it's fine. It doesn't come close to the original trilogy, but I think there's fun to be had, and I'm super excited to talk about what I like and what I don't like in this. And you're like. I would say that is a natural reaction. That that's honestly where you should be, as as just a movie, as a lover of film, as someone, because I, even I think that there are issues. This this movie has issues, and we're gonna talk about them. But I don't. I mean, this is not, nowhere near a perfect film. But like that, that's totally understandable. Like, mm. there's a lot. There's a lot in this movie. It's it's not your original trilogy films, um, but fine. That's that's where Ethan. That's yeah. where Ethan's at. Fine. I think it'll be really fun to talk about. Yeah, Micah. I think that. Uh, well, let me let me introduce yeah. myself to the Phantom Menace. So I I grew up on these movies. This these were probably Phantom Menace is the one that I've seen the most. Uh, nothing, absolutely nothing, surprised me in this movie. Nothing was like. Oh yeah, I forgot that happened or oh that was a line that I didn't know was in there or you know like I growing up I just naturally became accustomed to what Phantom Menace is. I've accepted that this is what it is and um I've come to appreciate I mean I've I've always kind of appreciated the the visuals, the uh the grandiose of the just the scope of this movie is it's impressive. The way that they the way that George Lucas wanted to flesh out his universe in such an experimental way because this is very different from the from the original trilogy and I think that if he didn't broaden the scope with this movie when would he have done it well I mean if he stuck to his basics for this one then people would have been like oh it would have been I mean they did it with Force Awakens it would have been Force Awakens it would have been Force Awakens that's what they did I think that Phantom Menace has so much of the basis for what we see in future Star Wars uh, properties like Clone Wars. We wouldn't have had Clone Wars without this. We wouldn't have had um, the rest of the prequel trilogy without this. We wouldn't have had so many important elements if not for the weird politics that George Lucas puts in The Phantom Menace. And for how much flack he gets for having politics in it, that's one of the most interesting parts of Star Wars to me is how they tackle a subject that in such a in such a generalized way, like a general audience way. And we can't that we can understand it. We can't pretend like politics has not been a part of the original trilogy. It wasn't. No, I, mean, I mean, it was it was. It we, was. Can't, we can't pretend it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just the approach to the politics, to this degree the taxation and the trade federation. This feels more like a real political climate than what they introduced in the original trilogy for me it was like all right yeah they're they're talking about it but here we're like in the courtroom we're in the room where it happens where i mean we'll see in episode three this is the fall of the uh the republic literally the established order in the galaxy yeah and that's the coolest element of the prequel trilogy that a lot of people just dismiss because it's not star wars it's not oh that's not what star wars should be i love this story I love how it unfolds and seeing the beginnings of this, seeing how uh, Palpatine manipulates from the ground floor in this movie is so cool to me. How he starts as just an, an ambassador, right? A 
he, senator. A senator. Senator yeah. Palpatine. He's yep. just like, all right, uh, let's pull an Amidala from Naboo. We're, because of this war that's going on, let's put her in the courtroom. Let's make her... Uh, Let's push this vote of no confidence yeah, in my right. favor, and I will sneak in, and that's how I'll gain, gain control. That's super cool to me. That is a like, that makes the whole movie worth it. And it's very subtle. And people just dismiss the whole movie because of it. Because of this. Because it's, and that's the thing, because it's not the original trilogy. Yeah. But it, but I don't, I don't know if I fault people for that though, mm-hmm. because I think the expectation wasn't. Once you get to clones and Sith, then it's okay. I kind of know what I'm getting myself into. But people didn't. People only had the original trilogy to set. Right, them you don't in. know what prequel looks like. Exactly. But I love that he took a unique, out there standpoint. Mm-hmm. It this isn't your close hero's journey, your close personal hero's journey. This is much broader. This mm-hmm. is a much broader story. We're not just focusing on. Luke and we weren't always in but he is the central character in those movies Anakin is the central character here but so much more is at play here the rebellion you don't really focus on the rebellion like you do the council the republic the whole war here and it's a it's a different story structure it is and it takes it does take some getting you to used to but I like you Micah also agree that the story of the, the six films in general, that what this does for those original trilogy films is, I mean, it makes, like we talked about, it makes watching Return of the Jedi that much more emotional because you go from this broad mm-hmm. standpoint. And Return of the Jedi is the most broad, I think, that you get with those first three films. Yeah. But because it's so broad, because you're attacking things on such a, a broad scale, like the Emperor is now involved. That's huge that it makes these movies like that much better because of it. Yeah. I feel like the original trilogy is focused, but vague. Like it's just like, Oh yeah, yeah. We have the clone wars. They're, they're out there like, yeah, but they don't delve into it. They, they say, all right. And then there's this thing, but they mentioned the, the rebellion in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. It's just mentioned. They mention all these things. There's like the Senate will not approve of this decision. We don't see the Senate at all. And this is where we have the broadness, but the specifics, of each of these little things. And that's what I love about this movie. It's it is the longest movie we've had in our in our um Star Wars runtime so far at 2 hours and 16 minutes. You mean it wasn't longer or the Ewok films weren't longer? You may have thought that it was it was long based on those, but unfortunately no. <laughs> the Ewok films certainly felt longer. Yeah. Um hey, th- this feels long too. I'll say that. It it does feel long, but I feel like it's not long in a boring way to me. It's it's long as as in like a this is a lot. The only movie that I felt for me, the I know time, for you, yeah, <laughs> no. The only movie that I feel the runtime for in Star Wars for me personally is the Last Jedi. Uh, every other movie kind of just. I just feel like my time is wasted in the Last Jedi because of the. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to, to it. it. <laughs> we'll get to it. But we'll see if it holds up. On yeah. This watch. No, I. But that's what I like to compare yeah. in this watch too. Since we're getting into the prequel trilogy. That's what I'm excited for, is comparing, all right, is the prequel trilogy really as bad as the sequel trilogy, as people say? And we have to talk about how this is George Lucas's first time at directorial helm. Written and directed. He wrote and directed this one, first time he did that since the OG. A new hope, yeah. So it's so, because George Lucas has always been that guy who 
when the ceiling's there, he's going to hit that ceiling. Yes. And and that's why he, he waited for this too movie. Far in a few he places. has he waited for this movie, and I think the the quote is he was watching Jurassic Park. That's right. And said, "Hey, I I should go back to Star Wars." He's like, "I'm ready for kids." I mean, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so this is his, his first time back, and he's going to hit that ceiling. So now that he has all of this computer CGI world at his fingertips, he uses it. It's wizard. What a <laughs> it's George Lucas not held back. Yeah. And and that's another thing we could talk about is the, the CG. It's it's like a seven out of ten, but there's so much of it that it makes it for this time pretty good. Mm. No. That's what I'd say. <laughs> I'd say the only thing that's really so iffy for for like modern take is the texture of it and the the like tracking but mm. overall because there's just so much cg it's impressive still but you cannot also you also have to acknowledge the how many models were built oh yeah for this movie how many practical models like you have a lot of cgi the most that's ever been used in um, the sets man it's it's all there man you get a mix this is like with the rest of the prequels, he doesn't go this model no. and puppet heavy. No, he definitely doesn't. There's or more set CG. heavy. Oh yeah. yeah, and I we'll talk about it as we progress. But even in this one, I felt I think I wrote one of my early notes was something about this movie gave me a headache looking yeah. at it. It Just, seemed very blurry. It's so it's so much, and especially now that they've upgraded the quality and we have bigger TVs now at home. Watching this, I think all three of us or. Me and you I watched, watched on Disney Plus. Disney Plus, unfortunately, I watched the 4K. You watched your 4K, but it just it to me it something about it hurts my head, and it's hard for me to look at. Yeah, I think one of the worst scenes for me is um, so Qui Gon is talking to Obi Wan. It's a dark background. I don't know where it was. It might be when he's talking about midichlorians or something, but uh, it's it's so you can it, he's on a green screen or a blue screen or whatever, and the hair is just all. It, it looks like it's phasing about, yeah. in and out. It's just the wig. Oh, no, 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 it's not about the wig. It's about the outline on oh, the I green screen background. It just like cuts off part of it or it, it just looks off. It, it's like a, an uncanny valley for mm. set design. I don't know. They it's haven't weird. they haven't mastered it yet. Yeah. And in I anyways, think, this and, was and the pioneer of by so the many second things. or third one. Oh, yeah. This movie leaps and bounds it's like what a new hope did for for sfx and that's totally apparent here we wouldn't have had cg environments if not for this movie we wouldn't have had such great 3d models uh like characters in uh, alongside real characters if not for this movie like this this is amazing for what it's doing in 19, especially for, for yeah, for sure, 1999, and being the pioneer. Yes, I will say this. Uh, they, I don't notice it as much as you guys do. Like I didn't notice that the outline of the hair, mm-hmm. um, but certain Jar Jar shots, because I, I also oh, yeah. don't notice a lot of CGI elements that people do. I don't know. I guess I just don't have an eye for it. So I'll defer to you guys of that. I was just specifically um, looking for it. You were, oh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm. I not knew that was one thing that it, I, but, I wanted to um, look for. Certain Jar Jar scenes, because of because I watched it on 4K, because it's so updated now, it just it does age. It definitely ages. And uh, the Yoda, the Yoda model, mm. I remember in Attack of the Clones also <laughs> not aging very well. Is it once you get to Sith, it's pretty much flawless. But Attack of the Clones has some dodgy Yoda CGI. 
And we got to talk well. about Yoda Puppet. Yes. Also. So <laughs> we, we did pull up the uh, original Puppet. theatrical 99 Cursed release. Nightmare of, Fuel. Because I've got it. Uh, so I, I pulled it up and we watched a couple scenes with Puppet Yoda. Why'd they change the puppet? Why is this Yoda so weird? They wanted to make him look younger. He doesn't look that young. And they overshot it. And, they did. Uh, the nose specifically always. I even remember because the first time we watched this was, I think, this VHS version. Mm. And I think Ugly Yoda's on that one. And I remember being like, what did they do? The to, eyes. To your, my man me. Yoda. He's always like He's like looking at you with this like weird. Like, I, dude, it, it's really bad. I'm glad they CGI'd over him. Yeah, I... I, some people didn't like CGI Yoda when he came out in two and three, but I think looking back, I think it was a good decision that they were going to yeah. go with that puppet. <laughs> if you want him to yeah. do anything, like, I mean, there is an element to where, okay, Yoda's just your old wise master. You're just going to get him sitting and doing whatever. But then also when you see him fight people, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So we'll see. It is. We'll see. Some people don't like that. Well, we haven't seen it yet. I know we haven't but seen it. But what we well, have they seen... They could have him fighting later, guys. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Ghost Yoda. Uh, the Jedi Council. We Yoda's in the Jedi yeah, Council. We The Jedi uh, themselves, yeah. We meet just the weirdest group of Jedi you've ever seen. Dude. And Liam uh, Neeson, you get... Uh, Liam Neeson was so stoked to be in this movie. Dude, he, he signed on it. before. Yeah, we got to talk about Qui Gon too. If we're ta- if we're starting with the Jedi Council, we got to talk about Qui Gon. Okay, let's do. Qui-Gon. How do we feel about Qui Gon Jin? I I really like Qui Gon Jin. I don't he seems know like a very he, he feels like uh, very based on Ben Kenobi from Episode Four. He feels like this very reserved, very like monk style, like you know the, the Jedi are a, a civilized group of people. We are, you know, that, mm. that that's what he feels like to me. Very restrained, very with the force. The force is with him kind of guy. Ethan first. He, to me, a lot of what he does makes absolutely no sense to me. And huh. specifically, you first start, start off the movie and Obi-Wan's like, I got a bad feeling about this. And Qui-Gon goes, well, I don't sense anything. Immediately, right away, you're telling me, okay, you are, something's off with you, Qui-Gon. How do you not sense that there's clearly something going on with the Trade Federation? And then a lot of what Qui-Gon does on Tatooine angers me. Like, what are we doing? First of all, we're stuck on Tatooine, which is the same story that Obi-Wan and Luke have. And they just go to the canteen and find someone to fly them out. But no, there's this whole complicated pod race arc. And then there's Watto, okay? Where do you draw the line with Watto? He'll try using the Force, right? Tries mind-tricking him. Okay, Qui-Gon, why don't we just steal what we need? Why don't we just kill Watto? Why don't you also just take Shmi with you? That frustrates me how he's fine. Hey, Anakin, I'm taking you, but but Shmi, whatever, whatever. He won Anakin. Yeah, but where is the, where's your line? He doesn't. I think Liam Neeson plays him great, but there is a lot of vague vagueness to him, and I don't know if I necessarily like that because it makes no sense to me why he's like why is mind tricking someone okay morally, but stealing a part isn't. What that that's where I said stealing a part. Steal. He, well, he, how's he gonna steal the part? Just what take he what steal? he needs. He doesn't. But take what you need. 
Who cares about Watto? He's a slave-owning creep. Your rule, the rules of what Qui-Gon does are a little too vague for me. Well, he just mm. wanted to use his credits. He wanted to, so he still wanted to pay for it. So he wanted to use the, the Jedi mind trick to get him to accept the Republic credits. But uh, your credits are no good here. <laughs> Watto. There's a dictarian. I need <laughs> Huh. I don't know. I, I, I didn't see Qui-Gon as that aimless of a person in my book. I thought that he was drawn by the force to that place. I don't know. That's my headcanon But there's clearly something wrong with him from because the council won't let him on. The council looks down oh, on him. Oh, because I love the lore behind Qui-Gon. Yeah, I the, love the... I, right. The council is twisted to be kind of the the screwed up people. And that's highlighted with, you know, your duel of the fates. So Qui-Gon is, I guess, supposed to be your your good guy here. But just something about the his approach I don't like in the writing. So, so uh, the Jedi Council is supposed to be lawfully good. And Qui-Gon is supposed to be morally good. So he's going to be doing what he feels is right in his book. But uh, which involves some things that have now been decanonized, but also now have been rewritten. I haven't I haven't looked too much into the new lore of of Qui-Gon. What's new and you know what can but uh, I he goes against the Jedi Council in some ways and we, and we see that in Clone Wars, don't we a little bit? So we yes, we do. But I want to offer I want to offer you something to think about here about Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon has always been and clearly in this movie he is that way. He has always been more in touch with the force, more in tuned with the force mm -hmm. than anyone on the council has been. And that's because he was trained by Count Dooku, uh, who who we know is now a part of the Trade Federation, he's a part of the separatists. But it's because he is so in touch with the Force that he does things so differently. Obi-Wan has such a problem with it because Obi-Wan is followed by the book. Mm -hmm. He is a rule follower and he's always at odds with his master because Qui-Gon chooses to look at things through what does what is the Force trying to tell us here? Where is the Force trying to lead us? And a lot of people have that same thought. Why the heck does Qui-Gon put all of his cards on a freaking nine-year-old to win a freaking super dangerous pod race. So he was why does on the he, force. Why does he do that? He's not, exactly, he's not betting on Anakin. He's betting on the force. Right when you see, right when he gets there and he starts observing Anakin, clearly right then and there, he's like, okay, something's different about this kid. And his mother, Anakin's mother, also says he, he, he's different. He's had, he has these abilities. He has no father. He has no father. Which he is starts, also a point of contention. He starts in this movie. to Virgin realize birth. that there is there is something more to this child than meets the eye. So let's let let me let the force play out. Let me let the force do its thing. And then he tests him for Metachlorian, his M count. Which and it's higher than anything any Jedi has ever had in history. And after that, Qui-Gon is convinced. He says, okay, you know what? The Force has led us here. Clearly, this is the Chosen One. Clearly, this is here. So, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my, like, I'm going to let it play out, you know? He even, he even frees Anakin Skywalker. He knows that if Shmi comes with, that there's no way that Anakin or the Jedi will ever accept Anakin. Mm. But he knows if he can get Anakin, 
then it's fine. So he obviously, he secures it his way. Anakin ends up winning. Blah, 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 right as Qui-Gon foretold. But it's because Qui-Gon is so in touch with the Force that enables this whole plot to play out the way it does. That may be a different way mm-hmm. to look at it than yeah. just his actions make no sense. Yeah. It's because he's so in touch with the Force. Okay. That's that's how I look I at it. I pass it. I'll let it happen just because it's kind of a lot of the same reasoning for, uh, for Lost. And a lot of character choices there. Well, it's is it, in, yes. in service of the island. We trust the island. So I guess if in this case, Ben, where you're coming from, I'll let it work. And I think it's shown a lot in this movie too. It's it's not like you can definitely. Oh yeah, like that. Those are his motives, and it's all contained in this movie. A lot of people will say, "Oh yeah, the prequels only make sense now because the expanded expanded media." But like, I I feel like there are some expanded. Uh, Star Wars that helped to enhance the the original trilogy that you got to see for the you know for the first time and uh it, like Coruscant was huge uh in expanded media and now you see it for the first time in episode 1 and that was a huge thing that was a huge thing and yeah i mean this is this is just a, an example of i think Qui-Gon Jinn is is very justified in his motives he's very uh I don't know. I, I just like how he's in tune with the Force, like what Ben said. But I couldn't have worded yes. better myself. But you're not wrong in thinking that, though, because if you don't if you don't spend time looking at this... Yeah, like, if you're just an idiot, then you just... <laughs> well, there, there, is a, there is a lot more to it because he's t- telling a story in such a broad stroke. Like, yeah. you, you have to be a nerd like me and read... Like, in order to get so much appreciation from that, and, and you're going to hear a lot <laughs> from me about these three movies, but it's, I will say a lot of it is enhanced because of books, because of television, because mm. of media that ties into this. A piece of media that ties into this that is just fantastic is a novel by James Luceno called Darth Plagueis. What, it, what that book does for this film in particular is insane. I would highly recommend it if you're into books and into Star Wars. Um, but we're not judging that. We're judging this for what it is. So you talk about the book and the introductions. And we, we get really three huge introductions to the Star Wars mythos and the Star Wars lore that stand out to me. We get one, Metachlorians. We get two, the prophecy of the Chosen One yes. that we've never heard of. And then we get three, the rule of two. Always two there are. Mm. A master and an apprentice. How... Obviously, these are baked into the lore now, but just kind of throwing these in there to me is a little, okay, there was no talk at all of Anakin being the chosen one in any kind of way during that Why original would there be? trilogy. There wouldn't be, but it, I, 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 I kind of hate the chosen one. Really? I hate that because to me, it takes away what Luke is and the importance of Luke and how it... Okay. Okay. Because all right, this is, this is the guy who's going to balance, bring balance to the force. Okay. So doesn't retroactively you introducing this prophecy of the chosen one destroy the rule of two you've also just introduced? What is that, Ben? The rule of two. There are always two. There are yeah. a master and an apprentice. Mm-hmm. But then, all right, you're going to bring balance to the force. How does that work? And also. The pre the sequels. The rule of two is it. flexible. I mean, there was the whole one Sith for a long time. Does it was... even work now with Palpatine surviving somehow? In regards to 
chosen one will bring balance to the force. Well, you don't even kill Palpatine in the end. The sequels ruin that. I don't. That's what I'm saying. We're not talking about the sequels. Yeah, but uh, that that to me, it it's mucky, and I you know <laughs> I think Luke deserves a you, lot more praise than what George Lucas ends up but, giving him in the chosen yeah, one prophecy. But and I can't I can't get I'm getting too. He is so important. He is so massively important. It is. Be, it's Luke is as central as Anakin is to fulfilling this problem. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say as centrally because it is Anakin who brings balance to the Force, but it's through his son. It's through Luke. If you don't have Luke to show Anakin the good side, the 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 prophecy, like if you don't, he brings Anakin forth into the light, and then Anakin fulfills the prophecy. If not for Luke, Anakin would stay on this path, but he sees the light in his son. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, he even tells him that. Tell your sister you were right. Luke is so massively important, but the story is about, retroactively, I will say, the story is about Anakin. He is the chosen one. But I don't, you, you have issues with that. And if you have issues with that because of the rule of two, the rule of two no, is no, just a sit that, thing. That's just, that's just something I threw in there. Okay. But. Uh, I've also heard people say that uh, Luke is the chosen one, but Anakin was misidentified as mm-hmm. the chosen one. So that's why he was brought in. That's why, because Qui-Gon was so convinced that he was the chosen right. one, but maybe Qui-Gon was wrong. And that's that's the where theory. I fall into it. It's just George Lucas has a, his thoughts on it because mm. he's the story maker. Well, it's, so. it's, it's, it is clear though. And I want to make that clear here. Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one. There is no other. It, it is up, up to interpretation. interpretation. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the galaxy of Star Wars, but Anakin is the chosen one. But even with- Obi Wan says that Luke is the chosen one. Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. even admits he says that Luke Skywalker is the chosen one. And Luke he said, Skywalker, you, you were the chosen one. <laughs> will balance the Force. This is in Rebels. Oh, okay, okay. But um, Anakin is the chosen one. He is the one who brings balance to the Force. He is the one who destroys the Sith but himself. When, and once Palpatine. media is made, packaged, and produced. It's out of the creator's hands, and it's in the audience for their interpretation. And so I, I but like, it's, but it's, I like Luke. I feel Luke is yeah. more of a chosen one candidate than Anakin. But why though? Why? Yeah, because Anakin is only Vader without Luke. Luke, yeah, he brings that side out of him, and I don't know. It, just, it okay. I love Vader as a villain. But the, the, this whole chosen one throws a lot of muck into a pool of, of water that is, is a little too messy for me, and okay, I kind of don't want to expand on anything else. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, we got chosen one. We've got metachlorians. Um, metachlorians. We got to talk about that too. Um, so there are organic l- life forms. That lots live of people in the blood. Yeah, don't like metachlorians. That's weird. Specifically, how metachlorians impregnate. Shmi, somehow. Ben, what is the the lore behind this? Uh, well, is it just the chosen one is just just there? It is. If you want to look at this from a religious standpoint, it is the same thing as you know Christianity. Yes, in, but this this was they were she was conceived by the force. The force made this happen, and that's how Anakin is because the dark side was getting so strong. You talk about balance here because the dark side is getting so strong, not just with the Sith, 
but also with the corruption in the Senate and even the Jedi who, when I was a kid, the Jedi were the greatest thing. Like I love delving into each and every Jedi council member, but the older I get, even now, like this, the Jedi are morally corrupt. I mean, everyone on there is that you, you don't see them as these heroes of old, like mm -hmm. they were in the clone wars. Yeah. Like I said, they're lawful good. They're going to exactly. follow, they're going right. to follow these people, but they're not going to have their own moral good. Yes. Um, and because of all of this darkness, the force has to bring about balance. Mm -hmm. And that's where Anakin comes in. He was conceived. So by stack the force. overflow, the living force. <laughs> so then what is, what are the limitations of what the living force can do? If that they can impregnate yep. someone and bring into existence a chosen one. I, I would say you could do... It's a little too vague, or what? You could do anything. From a writing standpoint, You mm -hmm. it could be whatever is needed for the script. But it is vague. It's never defined. But George Lucas, from the very start, in all of these Star Wars films, wanted to reinterpret modern... Well, old myths in a modern context... And one of the, I mean, you could argue that this is the biggest, the best, the original story ever, the Bible, about a chosen one, a Messiah mm. who comes. And this is his, this is, this is this story, you know. This Wait, is the Christian Dune. Do, Dune, <laughs> Dune just came out and you have another chosen one prophecy in that film as well. Yeah. But this is, this is Star that Wars. That one's based on more Muslim one. stuff. This is, I guess, based more on Christian stuff. But I mean, this Dune definitely had a lot to, a lot of. You know, Dune had a lot of inspiration with, uh, or Phantom Menace, Star Wars itself had a lot of inspiration from Dune. I mean, yeah, Dune is the most influential sci-fi yes. uh, project of all time. Star so, Wars, so. yes. Yeah. Star Wars comes from that. Mm -hmm. um, but the Metachlorian thing I want to address, um, you can have both. Metachlorians cool was they, a way to measure it. Yeah. The and, Force and, is still this mystical thing that Yoda talks about. It's still beautiful. But the Metachlorians was a way of... Right. Just, and we got a whole... They can both exist. Clone Wars arc of Yoda, whatever, dancing around with Metachlorians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how they use the level of Metachlorians to justify how they can go around and scout Jedis when they're young. So like these babies. Yeah. Uh, and then that's a whole Clone Wars arc too, right? Too, that, yep. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. How they can just be like, all right, we got all the all the midichlorian tracking in the galaxy and now we're going to go find them. Yeah. It is fascinating when they bring Anakin, who's significantly younger than Luke was, and then they're like, he's too old. This guy's too old. And you're sitting there, mm. this is a little screwed up. If this literal child is too he's old, 10. how yeah. young are you guys bringing them in? And it yeah they they do there's a lot of elements from this i don't want it to sound like i'm entirely negative like i really do like ben put me on my clone wars i love a lot of the clone wars and star wars rebels and what filters over into the bad batch now i i like a lot of this it's just some there a good amount of elements that don't hold up and kind of punch me the wrong way but i, I like the jedi council and how they are the the kind of villains of it and it is fascinating to see them fall in this because of their own terrible guidance and leadership and how they let whole we're going to talk about the clone army next movie but that that's fascinating too you know one thing that i was just reminded of is um what do you guys feel about the whole anakin padme beginnings so we're talking about all right anakin's young are you an nine angel? years old are you an angel yep <laughs> He's got that Anakin Ooh, wow. Riz, man. He's a, he's a dog. 
So when I was younger, I was always kind of appalled by this because I was like, "Dude, isn't Anakin like nine? That would be like she's fourteen. And I forget. You you don't feel that. You know, you don't feel that she's fourteen because I don't know how old. uh, Eighteen. She was eighteen. Yeah, she she looks eighteen. She was legal. She doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa, Lloyd. Jake. Yeah, uh, how old was Jacob Lloyd? (laughs) She's not the one we got to worry about, (laughs) Micah. It's uh. Definitely uh, Anakin. Um, he was ten. He was ten. <laughs> so here, we got we got to talk about Jar Jar, too. We got to talk about Jar Jar. Ahmed Best. Yeah, Ahmed Best. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Anakin, Padme, and uh, in two and three. So, but yes, you're right. I it, just wanted the to bring beginning. It, the beginnings. Of everyone that knows is it's just, it's a little weird. Um, it is. But yeah, I love I love the whole thing. <laughs> what Padme's just disguised as a whatever a handmaid handmaiden or a servant and the fake queen who is the fake queen play by Kira Knightley mm-hmm. yeah so uh she, she's like Padme go clean up that droid it's like okay wow oh you really had a good you're laugh about really that later. <laughs> you're really taking advantage of uh her her being you know undercover oh you Wh- know so why is she disguised Ben is uh it- why is she decoys? Protection decoys. You mean yeah. you see it in episode people, three? So people do it all the time. In yeah, the, all the time. I think it's episode two. I real, do it all the time. Real yeah. life. Is it episode two or three? Where I'm actually a decoy right now. Where the what? ship gets bombed. <laughs> two. Uh, two. Two. Yeah. Okay. It's well, you see it in two. It's Why? The beginning of two. Why uh, they have her as a decoy? Mm, that's fair. Uh, I. Dude. I think that Kira Knightley does the Naboo accent better than. <laughs> uh, the Naboo accent being Senator Palpatine. I'm troubled by our planet's situation. I was, I was like, I would like to I need... <laughs> propose a vote of no confidence. So, I have very much defended this movie, and my goal here is to offer. I my goal here is to challenge how we see the prequels. A lot of people have a lot of negative things, and I'm not trying to convince. I'm just trying to challenge what how people see these movies. They challenge but, me for sure. I'm telling you right now. Some of the dialogue in this film, I I can't even defend, man. Yeah. The way the line delivery, delivery from <laughs> the line delivery, dude. I can't even deliver my lines right, dude. Padme has some of the worst line delivery, and I'm trying because I always make excuses for oh, Star Wars. It, it's like her man. Her, her acting is some of the weakest, but her lines are some of the coolest. Seriously, like, th- Jar Jar- some of her senator lines where she's like <laughs> talking about how her planet is being. And she's like, this is not my arena, Senator, but I should go back to mine. Right. But the or way whatever. she delivers it, like Jar Jar comes up and he's like, oh, I'm just so worried about me some people. And she's like, I, I'm hoping they're all right. And Pebby's like, I hope so, too. She's just like staring out into the... And there's like... What were her that acting roles? That might just roles? be like her... Her princess like, like, duties. Like she, That might Maybe. be like part of why she's... Because she's not that straight toned when she's talking with Anakin to me though it doesn't matter you need to have someone more lively and like uh, Natalie Portman's a good actress too so yeah. like I don't and Kira Knightley I will say this maybe they did it so wooden so that they could perfectly apart. imitate each other because I really cannot tell a difference between the queens when they're switched I yeah. cannot tell and that I mean I know from a story perspective who's there head cannon that was on purpose maybe it was that's, but to that's me, just me Wooden dialogue. I gotta, I gotta find some fa- fault there. You know who doesn't have wooden dialogue though? Has the opposite of wooden dialogue. 
is Jar Jar Binks, Holy man. Cow. All right, yep. so I watched this with, with Rebecca, my fiance, Ooh, and I was eh. very excited to see how she reacted to Jar Jar Binks because you know she, she's she likes she likes some characters that are pretty uh, pretty out there, and uh, Jar Jar, Jar Binks there. comes out and he's like, wow, <laughs> you know, he does this like this thing, and he's like, moi moi, <laughs> and she is just dying. The entire time, she had me rewind because she missed a bit. Has she seen this before? She has. She grew really? up on. She grew up on watching. The, I mean, I, remember at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, have you seen these?" And yeah, she's like, "No, right. I haven't seen them." She's seen all of these. <laughs> she's seen all the Star Wars movies. Oh, dang! She loved Jar Jar Binks. Last night we were scrolling through Instagram and we found this T-shirt that says "Yusa in Big Doo This time, <laughs> or no, I just said "Yusa Big Doo That's what it said. And she's like, can we please get that? And I'm like, all right. So I look up more Jar Jar Binks shirts and we're scrolling through. And she's just like dying. <laughs> I, I, I had never seen her laugh that hard about a character in a movie before. So before I knew it, she was pulling up YouTube and looking up Jar Jar Binks compilations. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess I found the world's number one Jar Jar Binks. She, uh, dude. Uh, um- we were on our way to see Dune 2. She's like, he's so clumsy. I, I mentioned Jar Jar because I'm like, Rebecca, Micah said you like Dar- Jar Jar. And then in the car, it's like five minutes straight. She could not stop laughing about Jar Jar. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm it's not like, over-exaggerating. It, wow. Like I got uncomfortable with how long she was laughing about Jar Jar Binks. Dude. He's so clumsy. Peak. Peak, man. Like, what hey, a- I love Jar Jar too. I- I, so here's the, here's the thing. I don't. I I will say, he's very comical. He's a Star Wars character through and through. But I I have a hard time saying that this would that this movie wouldn't be better without him. I'm not gonna lie. I think you could have toned him down a little bit. Uh, he is a bit overplayed, and they fixed that in the sequels. Yes. Of, or, I mean the prequel sequel. The prequel sequels. The prequel sequels. This is yeah. Th- to me, this is Ewoks on steroids. It just, but I I think it works because it's confined to one character. That's coming me. from a man who has, has seen the two Ewok films. If they had like <laughs> multiple so you're, you're multiple Gungans following them around for this whole movie, oh, it would have been rough. But to be fair, Jar Jar is the most out there Gungan we see, and I, you know what I didn't realize? What's the big fat Gungan? Boss name? Ness. Boss Ness. I did not realize that he was just a fat Gungan. Until this watch. Oh, really? I'd have thought he was a whole different species. Oh. Like, wait a second. He's just a super over... I didn't never... I never caught that before. Dude, he's a beast. He's a, he, he's a behemoth. Him and yeah. Captain Tarples. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was nice. Man, I'm telling you, the gun... The gun gets in another... They make for great comedy. And as a kid, I ate it up. I laughed every time Jar Jar was on screen. But just as an older fan... It's like, okay, all right. Sometimes it's a little too much. It's for the kids. It is for the kids. If this, this did for Star Wars what Harry Potter began with. I mean, they, they made a movie that included, all right, like we're, we're targeting some of the kids. <gasps> and we got to throw the kids some bones here. And this is, Jar Jar Binks is for the kids. And Rebecca. And, and, and Rebecca. And Rebecca. Well, I mean, not even though, because there's a lot of fans out there who who will defend Jar Jar. Like, Jar Jar's a great, 
Great I decision. Mean, uh, George Lucas will defend Jar Jar. He, he will. Is the Jar Jar. What, what was? What's the line? Jar Jar is the key to everything. I mean, exactly. <laughs> in Episode Three, he is the reason why. He's the deciding vote as to why Palpatine becomes the Emperor. <laughs> and my absolute favorite Star Wars theory is the Dark Jar Jar theory. Oh the, man, yeah. It. I just remember being a kid. I saw that YouTube video of Darth Darth Dark Jar Jar or Darth Jar Jar. And it, it lit me up. I'm like, oh, wow. Because it was the first video essay I think I'd ever watched in my life. And they presented their their case for why there's more to Jar Jar than what meets the eye. And you get all the quotes from George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're left there. You leave it, the video, going, you know what? I'm convinced Jar Jar is a Sith. Cause they, that, and I know the video essay you're talking about. They do a really good job, man. It's it's definitely one of those conspiracy videos. They had it all, all on in full I force. I feel like this is one of the most dissected movies. Like, oh, crazy how people have been able to dissect this movie for for little lore things, for just like expanded theories, for people grab evidence from episode one. And I don't know. You guys saw the video floating around, I'm sure. 12-hour Phantom oh, yeah. Menace dissection. A short dissection of the Phantom yeah, Menace. A short dissection of the Have you seen it? <laughs> yes. Uh no. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I have not seen it. It's 12 hours long, but I would uh, actually no, I wouldn't like to watch it actually. It's that's too long of a video. Break it up. I put on. I think it is in the car. Originally it was broken up into a bunch of them, but oh, yeah. there's just too many things I have to listen to instead of a 12-hour Phantom Menace review. But yes, you're right. There is so much that people have to say about this movie cuz I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to this movie, man. More than just meets the eye. Mm. I, I mean, the the duel of the fates in and of itself is has much more involved than you initially think. A lot of that comes down to uh, recent comments from Dave Filoni. But not only the duel of the fates is one of the best, you know, scenes and lightsaber duels, which we need to talk about and rank. But there's so much more to that. We talk about the importance of Qui-Gon into the story, but Qui-Gon dying is what sets this universe, you know, it, it kind of basically goes downhill mm-hmm. after Qui-Gon dies. If Qui-Gon, tra- this, even before Dave Filoni came out and he had his whole spiel about, I'm assuming you guys know about this, correct? Dave Filoni came out in, in a Mandalorian featurette. He came out and talked about the importance of of why this is called Duel of the Fates. Was it not around the time the he talked about uh, the Obi-Wan and Darth Maul reuniting? Is that similar? Uh, because I've seen the quote. I've style, seen... but uh, not around the same time. Um, for Mandalorian Season 2, they had a roundtable. And Dave Filoni came out and he talked about the importance, the reason this duel is called the Duel of the Fates. Not just because it's a, a really hard title for one of John Williams' songs. No, the duel. This duel is literally for the fate of Anakin Skywalker. If Qui Gon survives, Anakin grows up and he becomes a Jedi, and he is fine. Mm. Obi Wan does not want to train Anakin Skywalker. He's, he's like, fine, I'll do this. I, why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? <laughs> Like, bro, it's just Anakin. But he doesn't want anything to do with that him. Boy he, is dangerous. He only trains Anakin. Because Qui-Gon wants him to. Why you gotta die, buddy? And in Attack of the Clones, you see the division, and in novels as well, between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Rule following, and Anakin is this 
free spirit. He grew up nine years without the council, without the dogmatic view of the Jedi. And so there's a lot more emotion tied to him. You need someone who's more in touch with their humanity, and there's no one more in touch with their humanity than Qui-Gon. And because Qui-Gon doesn't make it out of this, Anakin is literally left to deal with the personification of rule following and the dogmatic view of the Jedi in Obi-Wan. He is that personification, even though Obi-Wan is, I mean, he is good. He, he does love Anakin, but it's different. He does view Anakin as unorthodox, and it's, it's because Obi-Wan trains Anakin. I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you. It is Obi-Wan's fault. It should have been Qui-Gon, and that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of Anakin Skywalker. And Dave Filoni puts it way better than I do, but even before Dave Filoni put this, I always had that thought. You know, imagine if, imagine if Qui-Gon survived. I mean, this goes back to Star Wars theory videos back in like 2016, 2017. What if Qui-Gon trained Anakin? He did you not know? just plug Star Wars theory in, in the podcast. Star Wars theory used to be peak, <laughs> all right? He really did. He used to, he, uh, that's, a different, that's a different subject. But I will say this. Star, those those Star Wars theories, I mean, I, I had them on my own. What if Qui-Gon trained Anakin? Right. How and would Anakin have ended up if Qui-Gon trained him? You talk about the Duel of the Fates, you talk about Qui-Gon's death, you got to mention how when they released the soundtrack for <laughs> this movie, they yes. just, I guess they weren't thinking, or John Williams wasn't thinking when he titled these, but uh, Qui-Gon's Noble End <laughs> was one on the track list <laughs> when they released the, the soundtrack. So... You look at the score, you go, oh, I guess Qui-Gon's a one-and-done kind of guy. And another thing is that the novels for all of these movies were released like a month in advance of the film. The so, novelizations. Yeah. yeah. You go on to you go on to uh, Rebel Force Radio. Jimmy Mack, he's like, oh, I'd already read the whole book before I saw the movie. And I was like, imagine that. That's, imagine if we had... It's a like, completely different time than... Yeah, you pick up now. the book, you binge it, and then... He said you he read it in a day, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, well, because they would take the... Back this in book? the day, they That one? That one. They'd yeah. take, like, the That's first draft one. of the script, and then they'd put it out into the novelization, so... Yes. It, it's crazy that that's something they did, like, that... That the medium of movies was so like, oh, I'll read the book before I go. Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. the Force Awakens book came out before, like the kids' novelization launched a couple days before, but like the movie. these were released specifically so you could read the book and then go see the movie. Huh. Like it was just in that time, you know, Lord of the Rings. You know, you have these. Not that that was released before. I mean, it was released way before, but it was a thing. Oh man, is this based off of? Is there a book I can read? So I can go into this more prepared. Mm. Like, dude, you talk about going into prepared movies, watching a few YouTube videos before you watch. I mean, let's read a full novel before I go and watch the movie. I have the story right in front of me. It's like so talk our, about spoilers. In our early uh, marathon, Marvel marathon days, I was like, I'm going to read like so many comics for each movie we watch. <laughs> yes. And that died very quickly because it just was so hard to mm -hmm. sustain. Especially every week. Yeah, weekly, that was hard. I had that same thought. And the first movie I did, and the only movie I did, was for Morbius. And after that, I just was like, oh, man, you know what would be cool? To bring it, to add an element, it's just to go like read the introduction of each character. To separate it from just yeah. three noobs on a microphone. Let me, right. let me read a Morbius comic. <laughs> oh. You know, maybe, maybe I don't want to do that. No, I don't. 
but that was fun. Um, ooh, what a, Darth Maul. Obviously, he's got way more to do uh, in Expanded Universe, but um, really cool character. I really like Darth Maul in this. He's cool, but like from a context of that, Dave Filoni didn't rescue him. It's kind of as a one and done character, kind of a big whiff, I think, from a execution standpoint. Like he's in like one scene mm. and then he's in the really great Duel of the Fates and then he's kind of done. He's not a character. He's not. Yeah. He, yeah. Really, like if you're thinking of your Sith to follow up he's Darth there to look Vader, cool. he looks cool. He's got a great look. Mm-hmm. But at last, we'll find the Jedi or whatever the quote. Uh, we will have to the Jedi. That's like all he does. Uh, will have I, I, he, I like how intimidating the he is. Scene he, the where story. He's like, where Palpatine's on the Zoom call with the, the, the two chumps. He's like, well, my my front, and then like he emerges <laughs> behind him. He folds <laughs> his hands. <laughs> yeah, right. Made me laugh. His entrance did. Speaking of making me laugh, every line that the Nemoidians give, I burst out laughing. The way that they talk, man. And Why did they send Jedi? No, there are two of them. They are still getting through, dude. That was a cool scene, though. Oh yeah, it was like force seeing, theme. seeing the lightsabers used in a more just day to day aspect is right. really cool. That mm-hmm. is neat. Seeing um, oh, what was it? Qui Gon got something from some and, like lifted up his robe to put it into his pocket. You could see the lightsaber there, and that's when Anakin sees it for the first time. And uh, I saw your light sword, laser sword, laser yeah, sword, yeah, a laser sword, yeah. And that it's just cool that these lightsabers are there all the time. I mean. You don't see that as much in the uh, original trilogy. Do we do we want to rank the lightsaber fight? All right. Mm. This is this is the duel of the, the fates. The Darth Maul Qui-Gon fight on Tatooine <laughs> first. Where's that going? Uh, I guess we do have to rank that one first. Because <laughs> that one was pretty sick. It, yeah. One blade, Darth Maul. Yeah, one Not blade. Not gonna reveal Darth everything yep, right yep. now. Um Oh, oh, my uncle also wanted to add that Do we have a list? Um no, I don't have a list. Okay. I wasn't keeping oh, track. Oh, shoot. We got to uh, My uncle was uh, also very hyped to see dismemberment for the first time. And I mean, besides oh, just yeah, the one yeah, arm yeah. and head and whatever and, and the, what you know, just body parts here and there. But the droids just being dismantled with lightsabers was right. very cool. Right. If you cool. need a thing for Jedis just to go berserko on. Yeah. Why not? Droids. droids. Yeah. Because I mean, Cause you, you don't want to. people. Yeah. It get way too gory if. They're slicing up dudes, you know, yeah. <laughs> just limb and limbs falling yeah. off. Battle One thing I forgot are... to mention while while Ben is still pulling that up is, uh, so we were talking about technical advancements that this movie made for uh, the CG world, right? But this was also coming out in the same time as digital photography for digital video cameras. And uh, only a couple shots were made on this uh, movie that were digital, but... Uh, this was the last Star Wars movie before Force Awakens that was shot on 35mm film. And the first w- movie ever to be released on digital cinema projection. So George Lucas went out, kind of like how Christopher Nolan's going out and funding these IMAX projectors to be in IMAX theaters. George Lucas went out and funded a bunch of digital movie projectors to be installed in theaters across America and I think a couple in Europe so that people can see this in the way the director envisioned, which is really cool. That is cool. And it kind of sucks that movies like uh, Titanic 
didn't get released digitally first because those would have benefited heavily from being digital because that was a movie that even wore out the tapes because they played them so much. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Titanic had such a long theatrical release. Oh, really? That the tapes wore out. And that was a long tape to replace. This, this was the biggest movie since Titanic. Yeah, it was. Out. It it didn't hit ti- Titanic numbers. I mean, which, it, whoa, it whoa. hit some pretty close numbers. It was the first one to hit a billion in the box office in our Star Wars. Uh, but it also had a budget of 115, which was way larger than our uh, our original trilogy. Yeah. It was originally only supposed to be 50 million. Well, if you combine yeah. our whole Ouch. original trilogy and the Ewok films, it doesn't even... Oh, it doesn't even scratch the surface of half. It doesn't even hit half of what the budget was for Phantom. Oh, yeah. It barely does. Hmm. They were all around the same. Interesting. Yeah. The opening weekend, it made 64 in America. 64 million. 64 million. And that's 1999 numbers, yeah. man. Crazy. Wow. Made Justin- almost nine times its budget. At a billion dollars. I believe billion. some of that box office has to do with the 3D re-release of yes, Phantom which Menace. which was huge. Yeah. I'm One of the of, biggest re-releases of all time. I do remember that, actually. I wish I was able to see that in theaters. Um, any, uh, the, the lightsaber fights, though. Yes. I wanted to go over this list right now because I, I thought this was how we ranked it so far, but I could be wrong. We have uh, Noah versus Tarek. From uh, Ewok number one. <laughs> Adventure. That's obviously number one. Uh, we have that at four. I believe there's only four so far. Uh, we have like Obi-Wan versus Vader <laughs> at number three in A New Hope. Luke versus, versus Vader in Empire. And then Luke versus Vader in Return of the Jedi. That's how I thought we ranked it. But I could be wrong. And it's, I guess, still up for interpretation. I think I put Empire first, but that's... I'm but fine I think with, Ethan I'm fine and I Return put Return right. at the highest. So Which I'm totally fine with. Okay. All right. So, are so, we going to rank with two lightsaber fights? Yes. We have, oh, we have to. Okay. We have to. We're ranking every single one. All right. Okay. This one I would put at the Tatooine one, right? The Tatooine one I would put at third from the bottom. Uh, so I would, would give Luke versus Vader, Luke versus Vader, Obi Wan versus Vader, and then I would put this fight, right? You would put this one under Obi Wan versus Vader. It's nothing. Yeah. You do know? it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd I, put it. There. I think it's nothing. Well, I mean, so it's, it's a second, small little second skirmish. from the bottom. Yeah. Noah so right versus above Tarek. Noah versus Tarek. Yeah, as the, the bottom one. I like how he almost Endor. plows over the chosen one in his speeder. <laughs> Anakin, get down! <laughs> and he's like, what? That, Why that's, God, a, sir? that's a weird edit, though, the way that that scene starts. Because there's really nothing. But then the scene starts and they're frantically running. Like, mm. you don't know how long they've been running from Darth Maul. It was very jarring for me. And I would probably put it over the Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight. Just because I like the choreography a little more and the intensity but of the it. the character Yeah, but I don't care about the characterness and and New Hope since it's been like demolished and whatever. Wait, <laughs> what wait, thing. wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. Since the, since it's been demolished? Demolished. You gotta you gotta explain yourself. Yeah, because of the, no, I don't want to. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Yeah, I just, um, I just don't care about it. I so I don't know. I think just because I, I agree with Ethan, because of the character motivation, like the choreography is better, and we're definitely going to talk about choreography in a second. But this is just a couple slashes and stabs. It's, yeah. it's a quick one. It's, it's good. a teaser for what's to come. Yeah, yes. And but I say now we get into Duel of the Fates. Yeah. The 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 big ticket. Um, can't what was that one? Deny freaking <laughs> the staple of this movie. Oh, without a doubt, it's no the matter, most exciting point. No matter who you are, lover or hater of this movie. 
the duel of the fates is awesome it is Legendary. okay yep it it is super cool so how cool is it how high do we because mm-hmm. the uh, visually choreography music yeah it's great it it is awesome now it's not it doesn't hold the emotion that a vader and luke scene has Mm-mm. but spectacle and execution is i don't know it's really pleasant to look and they get like they get like a little like there's a part where Qui-Gon just punches Darth Maul in the face with his hand and he goes oh. yeah we've never seen that <laughs> yeah, before right. that's cool like yeah you're fighting with swords but you also have just kick his, kicks and punches in there and i mean every bit of choreography is just nothing we've ever seen before I mean, right, because you can talk about how they had the metal rods that they used in the originals. They'd you slap them like they do in these prequels. Yeah. Bend, they'd break. But these like you can they they put a lot into this and you can tell. Oh, yeah. Different lightsaber effects too. each light. Each saber light up is different. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Maul all have a unique lightsaber light up sound effect. Ben Burt went all, I That's mean, cool. the whole team went all out mm. for this movie. I mean, this was five years in the making from when George Lucas started penning the script. I mean, and they and they all knew about it at Lucasfilm, man. That's the thing. It was a private company. Not to get too outside of the topic here, but it's a, it's a private company. So the only thing your whole movie studio is working on is this movie. Yeah. You know, you don't, you're not all focusing on so many other things. And that's what makes this fight as good as it does. Um, for me, the combat is the king for me for these lightsaber yes, battles and yes. the um, the emotion of like, you know, the the just them looking at each other and having these thoughts or saying a line to each other doesn't hold as much weight as good choreography. And I think this, if it's, this, a, it's, it's a lightsaber duel. Yeah, this what tops are you it for me. For? I mean, right. yeah, you can add to the emotion with if you have the emotion and the combat. Sure. But like <sighs> Return of the Jedi is finale is nothing compared to this just combat wise and, and I, lightsaber battle heaviness of the i i even like the 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 emotion weight in this i, I think sure it's not as emotionally heavy as the return of the jedi one but no. the combat makes up for it and leaps and bounds yeah i i don't know i gotta agree i think it's the best to be honest the best with we've you. seen so i think far. it's the best we've seen so far to be honest it, yeah. My vote is number one. Like, okay. hands down for me. Yep. Hands down. Number one. The it it hurts me. It hurts me because... And I'm with you, but honestly. It, it's it like is. spitting on a classic movie, yeah, but man. <laughs> the, We're talking about lightsaber duels, man. The, I the think force. when we get into the later half of the prequels, I think the choreography is more evident, whereas it takes me out of the duel and it feels like these are just two died guys. There's an argument for that, and I can't wait this. to talk about it with yeah. you. There but, definitely is. But I don't think that seeps into the duel of the fates. I think this is fully just really fun. And plus, you get the the dual lightsaber in full effect. Yeah. You get to see Ray Park utilize that and oh, man. fight with that. It, it's cool. Ray Park, who famously played Toad in our uh, oh. <laughs> in our Marvel movie marathon. That's right. The first time he's appeared <laughs> on a marathon. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, a little bit is of that a cameo. One of two? people that make the the jump between marathons we got Samuel L. jackson which we didn't even talk about yeah we and his kind of little Windu. role in this he just comes out of nowhere <laughs> the jedi you. don't have a big role in this one yet. yeah they just are here to say no and then all right fine yeah and then ray park and then ray park right um 
Uh, Warwick Davis also makes cameo in this. Yes. This is not the last time we will see him or that specific character in this marathon. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're excused. Oh, my goodness. Ethan, we could not forget. Can't forget. Thank you. Sorry, we did like 80% of this podcast without our stapled... Uh, That's probably just why it was so good. Props up there. Yeah. <laughs> they were dragging us down. Yeah. Um. It, so... Is there anything else we want? Oh, well, actually, there's something else I want to say. The uh, battle droids, the Trade Federation army, uh, the whole scene when they uh, are powered up and they, oh yeah, they start attacking. That scene is. I epic. forgot there's no super battle droids in this one. Yeah, they come in, which is cool that they build on it. Once Poggle the Lesser becomes part, Droidicas of... are insane. I love the Master um, Destroyers. Yeah. I love the. <laughs> The, the cutting open of the door, the melting of it. Yeah, man. Yeah, just little the, things here and there are, are really cool in this. And for people to just... I think we've established today... I, I hope Ethan is a bit on the, the lighter side, too, is that The Phantom Menace is not one to just throw away. Like, no. people people hate this movie. People dog on it. But I don't I don't think it deserves the hate. So, I mean, you can't throw it away when, when a toy like this <laughs> releases, oh, guys. Come dude, on. Come or on. The, the Jar Jar Binks... Uh, suckers have you seen those <laughs> where it opens up the mouth oh, yeah. and then the sucker comes out and it's the tongue oh yeah I've yeah no i'm not eating one of that's those. pretty hype you're not french kissing a jar jar I'm sucker not, no, i'm not slurping a jar jar tongue sucker they're gonna be vacuuming for a while do you think that'll pick it up no no we're, we're good yeah we're okay good. all right it's sorry equal to the road okay all right i, I just wanted to, i just wanted to make vacuum. sure plus it's late into the podcast yeah, so right. who cares? And we're talking. We People got the will be listening. If, if we had our, if we were in our OG days, you know, with then it would be single something. microphone. Yeah, then it'd be a problem. Be but okay. we're fine. Vacuuming's going on in the background. I'm not going to edit this out. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Good. I just wanted to make sure. Um, don't want to compromise the quality of this podcast. Um, the peak quality. Of oh the, yeah. The peak. Was it the first time we see a force push too? Like pushing Ooh. people. No, over? Vader pushes Luke out a window. That's true. Doesn't he? I don't think he pushes no, no, no. him he out. For, he he force pushes the, the thing to the window he and gets breaks the shot window. Out. So I guess he does force push the thing to the window and then Luke gets sucked out because of the wind. Um, yeah, no. That, you see force, no, you've seen force jumps before. You don't see the force uh, dash. Think other ways that they, what? That yeah, they what never bring force, back. What is force that? Dash. Yeah, that's weird. Which, uh, I'll, that I'll was... show you guys after, but they, uh, <laughs> they improve it for the DVD release. I guess it's even worse for the theatrical. The force dash yeah. was crazy crazy yeah i had to i did, forgot that i was in this or maybe i never even knew it was in it but i watched it I'm like wait a second they just have super speed oh yeah they they, oh yeah it, it's and it's definitely one this, of those choices this is a cool shot though the scene when the jedis are first revealed when the doors open mm -hmm. you have the protocol droid run out and then you see their two just the sabers yeah man that, it is really cool to see jedi in their in their heyday, doing their thing. And that's what so oh. attracted me. Like, <laughs> as, or we've got it up on the screen right there. But as a kid, like, this, and they, so much of this was so epic because there was so many cool Jedi. You know, I was, I love the Jedi, and, and we'll talk about it once we get to the, the other they made two. Them superheroes. But the clones, too. Like, just the concept of having 
I won't, I won't get clones? into it. What are clones? I won't, we I won't don't have get those. Into it. Yeah, I won't get into it yet. Um, a clone? Because I certainly have a Man, lot to say. Man, the Toydarian voice really did a, a number on my throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watto will do that to Ouch. you. Um, Watto, another great character. Uh, um, most expensive minifig from that year. As far as like, yeah, Ouch. right? <laughs> I mean, we have to talk about how this movie kind of single-handedly saved or Lego. made Lego yeah. what Lego is today. Yeah. With their Star Wars brand deal. Oh, we yeah. We got man. the Legos out. I mean, the Lego games didn't come out till 2006. So, or 2005. 2005. Um, so, we'll be talking about those once episode three comes around. But, yeah. But, yes, when the when they Lego signed that deal. I mean, that's the thing. The marketing, like, this was part of it. This was just, okay, I want, Lucas literally said, I want Phantom Menace in every corner that you can possibly put it in. Like, I don't care. Spare no expense. The marketing for this will be off the charts. Because Lucasfilm itself was also in a state of, like, flux. They didn't he have saw, a lot of money. He saw Jurassic Park and he was like, spare no expense. I like that line. I like that line. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do for the whole prequel trilogy. And he did. He did. There A whole line of comics leading up to and after this movie was uh, released uh, called just Star Wars Republic. and As well as other ones. But, I mean, Introducing they, my man, like... Hat. Like the sequels when they came out, fully embracing this new era was something that George Lucas did. Once Phantom Menace came out, this was basically everything. Like they threw everything they had books, comics, every little thing was prequel era. And I mean, I, I experienced Everybody ate that it up. with, yes, not like they did with the sequels. This is not like. The two, it's a tale of two different it's things. It's funny that, because people ate up the prequel expanded lore when the sequels came out. When they brought out like that that Obi-Wan Qui-Gon in the new canon book, people, people ate still, that up. People still had there's still a hunger. And if if and I think and, partially uh, because of, of the prequel the sequel trilogy, I think that these movies have gotten better. People do look back at okay, oh wait, hold on. A new standard, a new low has been set. The bar I has think. been dropped, guys. Some may say that's and why George Lucas greenlit the, uh, or uh, <laughs> the he was like, "I'll show you guys what Star you are Wars. missing." And in yeah. a sense, it worked. But, um, but yes, uh, is there anything else we want to throw out? I mean, we've we've talked we didn't for talk a good about amount. The pod racing, the pod racing is great. Oh yes, oh my gosh, we have to talk about that. Yeah, it's like so many cool little. That's the reason to see characters. it in theaters. Ben Quadranero. Ben Quadraneros. I mean, there's a there's a lot. Uh, the the two announcers. I'm blanking on their names we right get now. The return um, of the Princess Leia. Bikini. Yeah. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. Aura Singh also makes a cameo appearance yeah, in very... Clone Wars. Foden. Um, Bead, Yes. Those two guys are epic. Um, <laughs> look at those two dudes. They're tifos. Man. Um, they were des- They were like born and. Their role was to announce the pod race. Young Anakin Skywalker, dude. And the whole pod racing sequence is a lot of people say that well, even uh, Sam was like, yeah, it's, it's too long, man. She went up and went to the bathroom. The but I, dude, I freaking. The theatrical release was shorter. It's beautiful. It is so impressive, man. It's how, tense. How do you? Oh, yeah. How do you How do you make that? How do, and how there's no music until the third lap is mm-hmm. crazy. Now this is podcasting. This. Oh man, <laughs> dude, fantastic! Ooh, it's ooh. a marvel. And I think that how um, this did the best uh, lightsaber duel. 
I think this is one of the best space battle uh, environments, at least. Gets way overlooked. Like, crazy Gets good. Way I love the Naboo Starfighter. The N1 Starfighter is my favorite Star Wars ship. And when they brought it back from Mandalorian, got that bad boy up there. Yeah, man. Instant pre-order oh, for yeah. the Lego set. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. The, the designs, I think they made over a thousand designs, models for this movie. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of them don't even get used, mm-hmm. but it really shows, man, spaceships, everything. I mean, the, they had to cr- literally create a whole new system of ships and lore. Like, to me, they really cut corners Stop with the sequels, but the designs will, the, for all the, the ships. ships are funny now, especially after watching, uh, uh, rewatching the first Dune in preparation for Dune 2. But like, there's so much thought put into the ships in Dune where... Uh, the science behind them, I mean, because mm. uh, they're like, we can only take like four people in the ship. But then there's a scene in this movie where they, like 30 of them run on to the, I think, the shiny ship. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah, there's well, that's less. That's also a big ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Star yeah. Wars has never been concerned with the weight, the technicalities right. of it. And I'm not going to no further that down. Yeah. Look no further than the space sequences. If they were really concerned, they would not have sound in space. Yeah. But this is a fantasy element. That'd be so boring. <laughs> oh my gosh, it would be, yes. But Just then silent space battle. Mm-hmm. Same place the music comes from. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to. And it, it is all the more epic for it. Um, speaking of epic, though, we got to talk about favorite characters. Favorite characters in the Phantom Menace. Okay, you can say Ben Quadranero. <laughs> I was. Th- I'm really thinking about. I think I've narrowed it down to who I want. But um, but yes, if you if you, there is, a lot of people give it grief for this movie not really having a clear main character. I mean, if you want to go, I think it's Qui Gon. But if you got to pick a favorite character, who's it going to be? Ethan. All right, I think. Yeah, in this movie, he's cool. He's very under, underutilized. But I'm going to go uh, Darth Maul. Wow. I think Darth Maul is my favorite character. But and that's I was thinking you didn't like Darth Maul's uh, like, inclusion because I feel like No, this is his only inclusion, and I love where Filoni takes Maul in the rest of the animated, in, in Rebels, in uh, Clone Wars. I love what he does with Maul in, in the air. And you can't do that if he's not here. In this movie, I think he's under underutilized, but I think he has the scene that steals the show with the duel of the fates. Oh yeah. And it is he, he he's a little too vague and isn't brought to the light enough. But when looking at this marathon, this is the only time ever I could take Darth Maul. I mean, I could so take you- him in solo. But I wouldn't. But uh <laughs> What do you, you mean? Could. You technically could. I'm gonna take yeah. him here. I think he's underutilized but i think he's a really fun addition to the star wars lore mm. and i love what uh sam witwer adds to him later down the line yeah sam witwer makes him a character man yeah yes. and dave filoni and george Lucas, i love when sam but... witwer uh, goes on to star wars battlefront 2 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> just dude. plays as darth maul yeah they gave him the darth maul skin the early master skin yeah yeah i which you have to uh we won't get into that but yeah, yes. that's the whole thing yep um Micah. Well, for similar reasons, yeah. uh, you know, only appears in this movie, you know, adds a lot to the lore. Um, <laughs> I got to go with one of my favorites. Uh, we got to go with Gascon. I mean, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No way. <laughs> no, Qui Gon Jin. We're going Qui Gon Jin. I'm not going with a pod racer. All right. I could have gone with Clegg Holdfast. All right. 
I could have got with <laughs> with Dud Bolt, <laughs> dude. Uh, the the freaking pit Sabulba. droids, the pit droid team. Yeah, right. Sabolba, yeah, him. Sabolba so goes crazy Sebulba. too. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Qui Gon just because uh, I love his his stature in this. I love how he holds himself. Uh, I love how he dedicates himself to the Force. Everything that Bed said, he said it a million times better than I will ever be able to. Uh, express in my own words, Ben. You are the such a Star Wars nerd, man. <laughs> big, big time, <laughs> big time. Uh, yeah, that proudly. I, I love how you War can see master. It. You as can we see say. the through line with Qui Gon and why he is there and why he is um, there to hold up that side of the Force. Why we needed to see him as a Jedi here is very important, and. Uh, he is the he is the only character I wanted to hear explain metachlorians. <laughs> if it were any other character, I would have been like, "All right, all right, buddy, you don't know what you're, you're talking done. about. You're done. Get out of here." Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people still dismissed Qui Gon with, "All right, you're done." But yeah, I, I'll go with Qui Gon. And Liam Neeson, you know, was Liam Neeson was so passionate, it, and they had to. He was hyped. He yep. was too tall. They had to, you know, go out of their way and make every set a <laughs> foot taller for him. Yep. So he cost this movie a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why this was a $115 million production. One of them. Well, when you, when you really think about it, he hasn't done a lot of other huge things. You know, this is probably his biggest role. We needed taken, but that was later. And even that's kind of, it's niche. It's pretty niche. He's coming back for an airplane. He was Schindler's list though. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Schindler, I'm forgetting Schindler's list. You know what? I know you won't take Jar Jar, but I do want to say Ahmed best. Just posted that he's doing some stuff with Star Wars. He, he is, yeah. Question mark? Yes, he is. Which is wild. It's wild. Good, good on him because yes. we know that yep. Jake Lloyd uh, kind of got extremely bullied for this movie. Yeah, and something it kinda, we didn't touch on. It yeah, ruined his to. life. Sorry for Which that kid. Sucks. And and uh, Ahmed Best was bullied too. Same with Ahmed Best, yeah. Yeah, and they even tried to replace him for Clone Wars because they thought, oh, you know, people didn't like... But when they included Jar Jar, I mean, you got to have Ahmed Best yeah. as the voice for Jar Jar. Come on. The other the people other were dogging on the voice for Jar Jar as, as the first, or was it scheduling conflicts or something? I don't know. But uh, no, they brought him back for other seasons. Voice. So, yes, which, and it, it great. I'm actually watching through the Clone Wars right now and it, it I see the line. Because you've never seen it before. And, I've, well, yeah. it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm on season four. Um, oh. I think I've narrowed it. I think I've got it, guys. Um, I thought about Ben Quadraneros. I thought about the announcers of the pod race, Fode and Bede. But if I got to go with one character... You're going Watto. How could you not go with another character that's your name? Watto is good. Watto is good, but... <sighs> dude, no one gave me no. as much laughs as Newt Gunray. No way. I'm not going to lie, man. No Every line. We must disrupt all communication down there. I, Viceroy. He's in he Anakin kills him in Revenge, mm-hmm. correct? I had his Lego minifig. That specific up. one. Yeah. Yes. So yes. props to him. That's cool. Dude, he is insane. The war is over. <laughs> the war is over. <laughs> How do you, he's, he's so good. Now there are two of them. Like who comes up with that? Their puppets are crazy. Insane. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like and the, then when you see them in the final scene, standing next to people like Qui Gon, or I guess he doesn't stand next to Qui Gon, but next to like Obi Wan and stuff, they're massive. Yeah, they are. These dudes are like six five. The pneumonia. It's a lot of their headdresses, but 
But Newt Gunray is my pick, man. He is Rune hilarious. I also wanna... thought about Boss Ness, but he he's also pretty good. But and, uh, Rune Hako is his little advisor. Viceroy, yeah. get this stunted slime. I know you would be uh, slime. remiss to talk about this whole movie and not mention the amazing song from Weird Al. You know the the saga oh, begins. I yep. love that song. That song is great. I've got it on D- CD in the next room. I can't Goodness. watch this movie and not just think of that song. I think that song retroactively makes this movie better. Just oh, what's the plot of it? Oh, let me just my my this here Anakin guy. Just sing that song. He'll be Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. Damn. He left his wow. home. Weird Al. Hey, is Weird Al, is that you? Goodbye. Pumping it out, man. Sing it soon. I'm going to be a Jedi. You know? Like, yeah. come on. Go go listen to that this song. Is good. It's like six minutes long. It summarizes the whole movie. Makes me makes you cry, you know? I think it has more emotion than this movie. <laughs> Weird Al's a huge Star Wars guy, too. So yeah. he... Uh... Yeah, it's cool. Uh, he wrote and released a song before the movie came out. So if you listen to that, you're like, wait a second. I can't believe I haven't talked about John Williams yet. Uh, his scores for the prequels. Ooh, I don't know favorite, how far I want to go. Do here, you have a favorite man. musical moment, Ben? Yeah, we got to do that. Of yeah. course, it's Duel of the Fates. Darth Maul's introduction. Uh, no, you know what? I, I won't go there. I won't pick that. Because that's obviously that's the that's the answer everyone gives. Um, Anakin is getting his pod racer up to date and up to speed and he gets it working. <laughs> it's working. It's working. But that swell and that theme right there, it's a, it's a, mo- it's a moment that does not get enough respect, uh, or mention at all. But that moment when he shouts, it's working, it's working. It's, it's really, it's a good moment. That's, that's mine. Surprised but, you didn't pick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Emperor's yeah. theme slow sped up. Yeah, John Williams went off with the prequel trilogy, man. And I will talk about it more, but uh, his themes for the Duel of the Fates is epic. The droid march yes. is... That would be mine, droid the, march. Which At which point? Uh, whichever point's the best, man. The the moment when all the MTTs come out and they send the droids out. I just know it really stands out to me when it comes back in. Uh, maybe maybe it's in two, but when it's in three, that's when I remember it. When they go to Kashyyyk, the droid march plays. That is actually is that a, a different? different song. Well, that, that Though one? they are very similar. Are they, they have the droid march and then they have the clone march. Mm-hmm. And they are similar by design because of robotic armies but just slightly different um but it does make future appearances in the lore i i will show you them because even i want to listen to them uh again but yes the droid march is almost as iconic as vader's theme it, they just don't get the respect I mean, that they deserve because they're epic march themes, roger roger but vader's theme has already come yeah, out they, the imperial march and how can you top that but he he goes he goes pretty hard in this in these in these prequel films i will say um do you have one are we A still musical doing moment? favorite scene musical too? moment are we still doing favorite scene too i don't think we started favorite we scene, favorite yeah. scene? We, yeah we started it but i i wanted okay. to, i wanted I to just, mention that all right Williams. then uh, i'm gonna do uh arrival at naboo arrival at naboo when, okay. when they're flying in with the ship 
Oh is, yeah, that, that is good. just that good. purely nostalgia. Yeah, purely nostalgia, because uh, playing the Lego games, that's the first level. Yeah, that's the, everything. Uh, favorite Lego uh, level is probably the Trade Federation ship. The nego- mm. short negotiations. The negotiations were short. They were yeah. short. Yeah, yeah. It just so <laughs> iconic to me. Um, this movie has a lot of iconic moments, and I think that may have been what they were going for. They're just iconography. Do you have a favorite? A favorite, favorite scene? Favorite scene? Wow, great transition. Um, <laughs> when Jar Jar goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dude, is that? I mean, it definitely can be. We'll say uh, Qui Gon's patience with the Gungans. <laughs> the so, ability to speak does not make you intelligent. I, I speak. <laughs> I speak. That man, that scene though, where they're first leaving. Whatever, what's the underwater place called? Gunga City. Uh, Auto Gunga. When they're leaving that, and then I just had forgot how long that sequence was where the fish came and then a bigger fish came and ate it, and then another fish comp. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this is way too long right now. Just it's George Lucas. That just, was just them flexing the CG. He's like, like let, yeah. let me get, let me go. This a was crazy. what he was waiting for because he couldn't make this movie without the CG capable to make this underwater scene. I wonder what the original trilogy would have looked like had he had access to visual effects. Yeah, what I other really CG wonder. flexes would he have done? And we got before we get any further, we should talk about the rumored six-hour cut. Oh. of this movie which honestly i included this in my letterbox to l- review a little bit is some of this feels rushed some of this feels like they're all right we got to hit these beats we got to get going because we have a lot of ground to cover and we're not gonna have enough time to do it i would totally watch a six hour cut of this oh my gosh i would watch I, and not just like uh not in just like a oh yeah we snyder cut was good we gotta no 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 but do you know why because at that screening, at that because they screened a six-hour cut. It's not rumored; it's confirmed. They have a six-hour cut of this somewhere. We'll never see it, but the people came out of there, and I mean, who knows? George Lucas was there. Maybe they just wanted to say it, but they literally said it was mind-bogglingly good. <laughs> it has to be yeah, so. Yeah, but that's the like, the legend will always course. live on. Maybe, yeah. maybe I th- I wouldn't want to watch it. Ah, uh, that's where I'd stand. Yeah, but you're like, how much? Sort of how much was no, cut out? No, like I like extended versions of stuff. But four hours that's, was cut. That's yeah. That's too uh, how much. do you cut four hours out of a movie? I don't and... need that. <laughs> Come on. If it's four hours of ta- trade federation and taxation, I think I'm okay. Dude, I would be all about it. I well, like man, you. Micah. Imagine a whole season worth of content that they. Right, like that. Well, they, that sucks. They've thrown that into books and novels and stuff. They so have, like, but the official, fully edited, know, ready to go, just sitting there Listen, on the hard. It's kind of like what Denise said about uh, Dune and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. No deleted scenes. He's cutting a, a you know lost in the cutting room floor. It will never make it to the light of day because he's killing these darlings for the good of the movie. Yep, and if. If that's how it's going to be, it's so sad, but that's just how it is. Which is, I mean, it's something to say that when your films are basically, ar- when you when you have the final say in your films. Denise, Perhaps the archives are incomplete. They, oh, man. Well, there's also, if I had to pick, there's a four-hour cut of Revenge of the Sith that I would rather have over Phantom Menace. Oof. But 
uh, six hours of Phantom Menace Why not would be both? so interesting. Why can't we have both? Oh, that's right. That's true. If I... Never mind. You know what um, cut I don't want to see a longer cut of is... Uh, oh, maybe it makes the movie better. I don't know. This is the next movie we're about to see. Dude. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ethan, do you have a favorite scene? Um. Yeah. I, uh, I'll go Duel of the Fates. Yeah, it, I think so. It's basic. It's what everyone <laughs> says, but... To me, it is one of the defining scenes of this movie, or it is the defining scene of this movie, and it is one of the scenes of this movie that pulls it out from being a bad movie, mm. in my opinion. It's a so, good ending finale. It's a good. It a nice it, it's ending. what the movie needs. It's like, okay, I sat through all that, and it that scene made it all mm. worth it. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. I I like the conversation between uh, Qui Gon and Shmi uh, as they're observing Anakin, and they're basically telling you everything you need to know about this kid you know he's selfless he he's he never thinks once of anyone but uh he never thinks of himself he always thinks of everyone else he's completely selfless almost to a fault and Qui-Gon's like oh man that sucks he wasn't uh in one of the Republic worlds he would have been picked up identified early uh and he would have become a Jedi um and then they talk about as she drops a bombshell on him that uh there was no father he, I carried him. I gave him I birth. I, I, he, I can't explain what yeah. happens. And I believe like, in the virgin Hold on. Birth. What? <laughs> Calm down. And as they play, as they talk about this, the Force theme plays in the background. It's super interesting. And I think that Shmi Skywalker, uh, the actress who plays who I'm, I'm blanking on her name, she does not get enough credit. She is fantastic in this. Huh. Especially as Anakin leaves. Um, what does your heart tell you? Pernilla August. Yeah, Pernilla August. There it she's is. She's an Oscar winner. Uh, she not for this. Uh, their their goodbye no sequence Oscars. is also really good. She does have eighteen wins and things though. Um, that's my favorite scene. Um, internet. I want to know what the internet thinks of Phantom Menace yeah, before quick, we talk about uh, our Academy scores. Award nominations. It was nominated for best sound, best sound editing, uh, sound effects editing. Sorry, best visual effects. No wins. Uh, no Grammy Award wins, but it did have a nomination for Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture, Television, or Other Visual Media. And it was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Visual Effects and uh, Best Sound. So, so no, lot, no wins. No wins. From our major categories. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. Scores. Brown Tomatoes Critic, 52%. Mm. Compared to... Uh... Our second lowest is... The holiday special at twenty five, <laughs> and it, it, then Ewok at twenty three. Battle for Endor didn't have anything. Yeah, but then the OT, nothing lower than an eighty three. Yeah, so it's, so this uh, is thirty, almost thirty percent lower. Yes, than Return of the Jedi. And then what's crazy, Rotten Tomatoes user, which usually is higher, goes up a little bit based on uh, retrospectives and whatever. Fifty nine percent. Ouch. Uh, compared to the 94, 97, and 96 of the OGs, the uh, Battle for Endor was even a 51%. <laughs> Ouch. Yikes. Which we, we uh, did have a comment on our YouTube video yeah. yes. for Battle for Endor. Yes. Someone defending it. There so are fans. Good, good on them. Yes, absolutely. The Metacritic score is a 51%, which is only seven below Return of the Jedi. It's still astounding that Return of the Jedi was yeah, a 58. That's weird. Metacritic user is a 62, which is a little higher. Uh, that's in the fresher territory. Um, 
Letterbox score is a 56%, so that's just a little over two and a half. IMDb is a 65%, so 6.5 out of 10, averaging it out to a 58%. 58%. Guys, that is the fourth place position for our movies here. Hollywood Reporter puts it in bottom place Ooh. out of a, a 10 ranking. <laughs> The so worst? The worst. It, but I, I, Solo hadn't come out yet, I would assume. because No, Rise Solo of Skywalker would, hadn't come out yet. We Solo don't really care about the Hollywood Reporter ranking. What we care about yeah. is, is my Last Jedi my, ranking. Mike when Last ranking. Jedi came out, I gave a ranking. Just a quick <laughs> ranking out of the theater. And um, I put this in eighth place. Huh. Ooh. Interesting. Wow. So just under uh, Rogue One, I had not seen Solo. Because it had not come out yet. And just this is low. This is really low. This is low. This is Near the second bottom. place. I ranked it just under Attack of the Clones, which notoriously, I know that I don't like Attack of the Clones. So I'm excited to watch it again with fresh eyes. Interesting. Uh, with I, I used to not like Attack of the Clones. So this is, I'm going in. This is, a, we're talking about a newly engaged Micah though. So yes. maybe the romance uh, side. Maybe right. they'll pull hey, Micah that's true. in. That's true. That is true. Um, and you famously did kill a village of Tuscan Raiders also. So maybe you'll connect, that's connect true. with that. Not just the women, but the children too. Yes. Nice. Or not just the men, but the women and children too, man. Yeah, I, man. I killed them all. So your, your opinion Slaughter. has drastically changed on this movie, it looks like. Or as far as, well... well We'll we see didn't when give a score yet. Maybe back. the other ones are just that good. That's Maybe true. they're that peak. That's yeah. true. Because that would <laughs> still put it in the correct position of what I'll be ranking yeah, this. That's yeah. true. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's find out, folks. Yeah. Let's go the for you've been waiting for. our scores yeah. for The Phantom We've Menace. been building to this. Ethan? All right. Uh, as you can tell throughout the podcast, I haven't been the hottest on this, but I'm also not the coldest. I think there are some really good elements to this. I don't I don't ha- hate Qui-Gon, despite what I said. I think he is a, a cooler, vaguer element to what the Jedi are. And I like the I like seeing Jedi in their heyday. I like them seeing seeing them do whatever negotiations. Like I love how the, the council just sends them. They're the reject to who who are we gonna send to do the trade mm-hmm. federation stuff. Oh, we're gonna send Qui-Gon. I like that element. I like how the Jedi are like we were they were painted up to be this this perfect group of characters by Obi-Wan in the original. And we we see now that they're a little more mucky and they're not as clean cut and they're just a really weird group of misfits. So I, I like the expansion of the world. But for me, this movie took a little bit to get started. I think the first 30 minutes were really a little messy for me. And that's when that headache effect sunk in and the CGI was still bothering me. And the introduction of Jar Jar and his world, I didn't jive well with me, but then once they hit Tatooine, the story becomes more clear and you see the direction. And once Anakin is introduced and we didn't talk about Jake Lloyd, a lot of people hate Jake Lloyd. I kind of, uh, I kind of liked him. I don't think he's as annoying as people. Yeah, do. right. No, I, I'm th- in the I same think boat. he works. Yep. So I, I like that, and you get and we to didn't see, mention him. As like much, so. you get the Jake Lloyd poster with the Darth Vader silhouette in the background. I think that's what this is all building to. This guy is going to become Darth Vader. So I like building on that, and I think specifically a uh, few scenes with Qui Gon talking to Jake Lloyd, uh, the pod race scene, 
Um, and the Duel of the Fates, I think, really saved this movie for me and pull it out from being something that I just don't want to ever revisit. I think there's just enough here to where I'm like, okay, that's really cool. But we also got to talk about what I think is a super messy final act because you had, okay, George Lucas, he builds on himself, right? You had one battle in A New Hope. You had two in Empire. You had three in Return, and he's like, okay, now I have to do four. And there's even a clip of George Lucas looking at the final edit and going, I, I, I think I, I, I overdid myself. may have gone too far in I may a few have places. gone too far. Yeah, there we go. I may have gone far in yeah. a few places. And I agree with that. I think you did go too far in a few places. But I don't hate this movie. I think there are really cool elements. And I like what, uh, like I, the animation is going to be key to this prequel trilogy. And I think mm. what they added to this movie with Tales of the Jedi and... Oh, yeah with Clone Wars is huge just to this whole world. There's a lot more love to be had than I would initially have, but I can't, I cannot pull myself higher than a seven mm. with this. That's better than I expected. Flat, actually. A flat seven, seven, flat, flat seven out of 10. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not a six. I think it's much better than a six. So a seven is where I want to put this. Okay. I, li- right. I like this. Don't love it, but a lot of elements pull it down for me. Okay. Seven for Ethan, Mister Het. I, I love this movie. Is it a fantastic movie? Is it up in the nines? Is it up in the high eights? No, I, I don't think it's it's. I don't think it's life changing. Is it groundbreaking for the the future of Star Wars? What's to come couldn't have couldn't have happened without this movie. And I, I think I just need to give it a couple respect points. I need to give it a couple. Uh, just you tried your best, and some some of the tries are really good. Uh, some of the CGI just doesn't hold up some of the, but you know, for the time groundbreaking still, uh, and the story is, is reaching in a new direction that a lot of people didn't, didn't appreciate at the time. Looking back, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, this was, this was, you know, experimental. It was good. It was going in a new direction that, that people now appreciate. But overall, I would say that. Phantom Menace is watchable. It is very, I, I enjoy it. A, a lot of the movie I was enjoying myself. It was great. It was pod racing, Duel of Fates. I mean, the world building. This is the first movie where they they really develop these planets that they go on to. I mean, we've got three planets that we actually like, we we go into and we're, we're like, we're outside for a lot of these things. We're, we're, we're talking about like, all right, we got, the Jedi Council. Now we got the Senate. We got uh, the the pod racing groups. We got you know all these different things, and we're developing them. And it, I love that. I love that we're we're finally diving into the nitty gritty of Star Wars. So with that, just to wrap things up here, I'm gonna give it a flat eight and a half. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yes. Okay. I, I don't think it's quite as good as as some stuff that they do in Return of the Jedi, but it does do some things, but it it's knocking on the door of your return yeah, of the Jedi. I, I don't think that it does as many. Huh? Uh, it, it does like better some things better than Return of the Jedi, but it does a lot more things mm. worse than Return of the Jedi. Mm. Not enough to give it a seven, in my opinion, but you know, like the average for me gives it a, a little less than Return. Yeah. Okay. I would watch Phantom Menace more just because I like Phantom Menace more, but. Yeah. On, on the scale of what a movie should be, Return of the Jedi is a little bit better for me. Okay. 
For me. Right. For and me. you had Return of the Jedi at? 8.8. 8.8. Yes. Okay. Ethan so... had it on a 9.4. Okay. You had it on a 9. All right. Okay. So this is, for both Ethan and Micah, this is worse than yes, this is the every original trilogy worse, film. Better than the Ewok films, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, better than the Ewok films, but objectively, Although Micah, the worst oh, uh, mainline Star Wars movie. Micah yeah. gave Battle for Endor a 5.8. I'm just seeing that Which again. is still not a fresh score. I'll That's keep that in still mind. Still absurd. <laughs> still absurd. Still not a fresh score. It's too high. <laughs> it's what the internet thinks of Phantom Menace. Well, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes user, 59. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd say it's similar. You're good. You explained yourself well in, yeah. in Battle for Endor. Yeah, you guys were Go wrong. Go check out the podcast. <laughs> I, was, I gave it a two. Fine, I'll, I'll admit to be wrong. Um, you are. <laughs> so, uh, fan, I, I also like Micah. I love Phantom Menace. Um, there are a few things, though, that I, I will say that I don't like. Um, I... There are two things specifically that I have problems with in this movie. One is Jar Jar, and that's a big one. I just I'm not fully on board, and then I sure. really have never really been on board with Jar Jar Binks. Goes a bit over the top. Um, he's just too over the top for my taste in Star Wars. For that type of Star Wars storytelling, and it's evident across all. I'm not saying that it's a bad decision. It's just not personally for me. Um, and then the wooden dialogue, um, which is not as apparent as many people would make it sound. Um, but but it is evident in, I would say, yeah. specifically uh, Padme. She gives For a sure. lot of wooden dialogue. Um, so they don't take away that much, but those are really my only two issues with this film. I really love almost everything else to do with this movie. Uh, Darth Very charming. Maul, it's, it's just so weird. It's so weird and it's unique. It's so Star Wars. It, it, it absolutely is. And it, it takes me back, man. Every time I watch this movie and the the pre the three prequels specifically. Well, did you specifically, mention up top this was your first ever Star Wars film? No. I didn't really. I don't know. I don't know why. I just I didn't give my synopsis of what I thought of it this time going through. I, I don't know why we didn't get there. But this it was my first one. But the prequels specifically... I grew up more watching those than I did the original trilogy, even though I grew up watching all so, six. So, like, original trilogy, you watch now and you appreciate it. You're like, those, these are great movies. Yes. But then oh, yeah. these are where nostalgia really kicks in. Your bloodstream oh, yeah. of Star Wars kick, is here. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, I mean, now, just delving into the lore so much, there's so much more to appreciate about The Phantom Menace and it, as I said, the nostalgia factor, it's there. Anytime I watch this, it takes me back to a simpler time when Star Wars was only positive right. for me. Star Wars is not, right now, Star Wars is at a point where it is so divisive and anything that comes out is never met universally with anything. And I mean, this movie wasn't either, but when I was a kid, right, you all the way think, up until... You don't watch things critically when you're a no. kid. You're like, that was fun. For was 16 fun. years of my life, Star Wars was perfect and good and everything about it. I, I had no problems with anything. And now I do. Uh, there are there are problems. Yes. But this is a wholly unique thing that Star Wars. I love that George Lucas said, I don't care what anyone says. I am going to do this for better or worse. For the problems that I have, I don't care. He says, no, I, I'm going to do I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. I don't care what people say. 
And it's fully uniquely him. He wrote and directed it. He did that with all of them. And the story is so great when you look at it from a broad standpoint. And also when you're just watching it there, I have such a great time. I laugh. The prequel memes. We didn't even touch that. There are so many good memes in this movie. But a welcome one. Yes. And like, there's so much I love about this movie. And so with that, my prequel scores are going to be high. Um, but with that, I will, I actually am going to meet Micah at an 8.5. Oh. 8.5. It, do, right. it yeah, does totally not agree. reach any of the original trilogy. It, it just simply does not because of a few problems. It's not as perfect. It's not as uh, wholly un- united in its narrative. But as a Star Wars film, it's a good time. The first six movies are never going to be low scores for me. I'm just putting that out there now. So... I am giving it an 8.5. An above average, great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love Phantom Menace. Yeah. No way. In no way is it peak, but it's like, yeah, it's great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, eight and a half. Me, eight and a half. Ethan with his wrong score of seven. Uh, correct. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> come on. You're saying correct to me. Yeah. Uh, solid eight. A very rare. It gives us a solid number. A very, I mean, Eight and a half, eight and a half, seven. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, a rare, solid score, putting it in fourth place. That that seems very right to me. Yeah, I mean, we I, we all I agree. Like our, it is our ranking is perfect mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, right? th- our, this is really good. So our far. individual scores, who cares? Are up for interpretation. That's why there's an average. Right. We throw it into a big ranking, and what does our ranking say, Micah? Go ahead. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, number one, and a nine point six. Uh, Return of the Jedi, second place. Oh, sorry. I'm dyslexic. A New Hope, second place, 9.4. Return of the Jedi, third place at a 9.07. Phantom Menace, fourth place at an 8. Battle for Endor, fifth place, (laughs) 3.6. Caravan of Courage uh, was at sixth place at a 2.4. Holiday Special I still have not seen. But so that, that rings down the countdown. Yep. Micah officially has what? One, two, three, four, five, six. That's uh, eight. Eight weeks. You have eight weeks to watch the holiday special, Come Micah. On, man. Ouch. Get it done. <laughs> That's enough time. You All got right. this, bro. You got this. I'll come over and watch it with you if you All need right. someone to make it through you uh, with that. But just watch, eight. watch the holiday special and then right after it, roll right into Attack of the Clones. Oof. It'd be a real easy watch for both. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> So, yes, I'll be sleeping you say that next week is Attack of the Clones, which I am greatly looking for. I'm right now. I am. I am right where my happy place is with Star Wars. Um, every time we go and sit down, Sam and I to watch these. I am just so excited. She is less so. I will say that I what did. Lo- <laughs> I did love her of letterboxd review of this <laughs> yes and if you're listening i uh have all three of our letterboxes linked down below so this guy. if you want to check us out go ahead give nice. it a click no, i i gotta say i it's we're already so far into this podcast i don't even care but uh i will say this letterboxd is probably my favorite app ever the more this. the more i am into it the longer I have it, the more I appreciate the thing, what it is. The the thing that holds it back is you can't log everything yet. Like exactly, what, and that's what, the one thing. It'll yeah. be interesting to see when they add TV shows how yes. they navigate that because mm-hmm. it. I don't know. You watch a season of a show, you want to be able to, like, hey, tell your friends, yo, I'm not taking a break from watching things. I'm just I'm watching a TV show right exactly. now. Exactly, it's different. Yeah, like 
I'm watching Walking Dead. I'm watching Clone Wars. I'm doing a project actually with Clone Wars that I'm doing, you know, on the side. But I'd love Ooh. to be able to log each episode on Letterbox. That would be something I would love yeah, to do. It, but it would just get cr- it's good. I probably wouldn't crazy TV yeah. shows unless it was like stellar, but or just really trash. But I you ha- no you have to like you have to get to a point like like IMDb, but make that uh, yeah. Make that letterbox. I don't know if I would write up a whole review on it on each episode. Episodes would be short. Yeah. Like Captain Rex carries this episode, like something like that, you know, like it would be short, but I, that is the one limitation. You're right, Ethan, but the stats, man, it's a fun app. I, it's so fun. I look at the stats like every day, even if I don't have, if I didn't watch a movie today, I'll just be like, yeah, let me look at my stats. And I just like, I love like literally like, that's what I'm saying. Like this whole week I was, I was waiting like when you guys saw inter- uh, when you guys saw Dune yeah. on Thursday, I was like, <laughs> I kept checking it that night. I'm like, when are they gonna when are they gonna do it? I want to know what my boys think. Once you, know? you start like, customizing your uh, your stats pages though with lists, like you can do, you can make all time so rankings for yourself. J- we are really far into this podcast. We're basically yes. at the end. This is the the mm-hmm. closer. But the, yep. the for people show. listening who are like, what are these guys talking about? The talking day. What are we, what are we talking about? Yes. Well, it's an it's an app that you can literally log your journey in film. Every film you watch, and it, to some people, it doesn't really matter at all. But I'm telling you right now, I love having that history. Oh, how many times stats. have I, how many times have I seen this movie? Right. Like, I went to go back and back. I'm starting to go back and backlog every film that I know and I it's saw. more for like and, uh it's one yeah it's called letterboxed for those wondering but you can log your own movies right and mm-hmm. that's good for your own personal memory and your own personal ranking and scores and stuff but then also like oh I could Ben just watch this movie yes. now I know next time I see him I can talk to him about that movie it's really yeah. it's really and, and you it's can less- see their reviews from like years ago so I just watched, um, oh, what did I watch this week? I watched Phantom uh, Menace. Oh, yeah, I watched Phantom <laughs> Menace, but I, I watched um, Minari, and that was a movie recommended to me by Ethan, and I was like, oh, sick. Yeah, I'll check out Ethan's review, and I read it, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's it's literally social media for film, if you care about, like, and film is something that's, like, super important to all of our lives, mm-hmm. so having this... Being able to see what I watched our so friends many movies are, last month, man. Think, yeah, oh, February was a huge month for me too. Oh man, yeah, and it's just it's just fun. It's cool. Seeing those. It, it really is. Yeah, and it's like it just adds a whole other layer to movie watching. And I yeah. care less about. I don't really care about like y'all's like yeah. It's cool that when you like a movie and you don't like a movie, like it's cool seeing that. But it's more cool to me that oh these guys are watching movies mm-hmm. like yeah. that that's the yes. coolest part of it and and yes. uh, I discover movies that I never would have ever watched like this 1974 movie called Chinatown turns out it's got one of the greatest screenplays that's studied ever like th- this is the one that you study in film school or whatever the Chinatown screenplay huh. and it's got Jack Nicholson uh, it's the the director is some creep <laughs> but like I never would have watch this if right. not for right. discovering it on letterbox roman polanski that's who he is yes so i will say this as far as like logging reviewing goes it's great app but for everything else i go to imdb for like i'm i very much bounce between the two. Oh yeah but the uh, imdb yes. score, for cast list i look at 
I look at this first, and then if I want to look anymore, I click the IMDb one, and I'm there. Yeah, I'll always go to I'll always go to IMDb, Ethan. Uh, trivia is also if they could somehow combine the two, it would be it would be perfect. Too good. Yeah. But I, I I don't know why I don't know why I got on that tangent, but I have been I have been loving You've been loving it. Letterbox. Yeah. I've been loving it. It just it's just a a, a, it's a, good, a good tangent to get on. Yes. Our 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 links are down below. Go check those out. See what we've been watching because. We do watch more than just these Star Wars and Marvel movies, guys. Oh, yeah. A little more credit to us than that. Yeah, we're not just soy jack nerds <laughs> who only watch the mainstream Star Wars, Marvel, DC. We watch good movies, too. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 man. Got him. Not to say that these like movies are Like we watched Dune Part 2. <laughs> uh, speaking of a good movie, next week is, of course, Attack Dune of the Part- Clones. Oh, sorry. So, <laughs> yes, stay tuned for that. A lot of sand. What, yeah, a lot of sand. Yeah. Of course. A lot of sand this and week. rough. It gets Kids everywhere. everywhere. So look forward to that. I know I'm greatly looking forward to both watching, <coughs> but almost more so now just reviewing because I had a lot of fun talking about this movie, even more so than I did the first three because there's, it's just, it feels like there's just a lot more to say, you know, from a controversial standpoint, from all those things. So look forward to that, um, and we certainly appreciate you uh, watching this. Thank you, guys. And uh, listening. Um for now, uh, this has been Raysa. Misa, Ethan. I was going to do that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I don't know what to say now. I'm Micah. <laughs> and remember, the forest will be with you. Always. Always.